I mean, have you had any short relationships where people have used you? Oh! I fell in love and I wanted it all to happen and last forever. It just didn't work out that way. I mean, Brian proposed to me after three weeks. Three weeks? That's how good I am in bed. Yeah. I mean, our wedding was pathetic. I mean, I got a blessing off the Pope. And Mariah Carey <laughs> sent us wedding pictures, like wedding frame pictures. I remember my mum sitting there once going, I want to die. She wants to kill herself. So I went and got all the tablets, went, you do it. Do it. You go on porn up. Men like a MILF. Young lads like a MILF, don't they? I am a MILF. Gone from being nothing to get me clothes off a jumble sale to becoming a millionaire to going bankrupt. I'll admit I shoved enough sh up my nose. It was pure bipolar medication. I had paparazzi sat outside my house all the time. My husband was a drug dealer. And Mark was cheating the front. He I just looked at him and said, I, I wanted to get out of my own skin. I said, I don't want this life anymore. Oh, God, I can't. You know, these three blokes walked in with balaclavas. One had a butcher's hook. I can't even talk about him because it makes me feel sick. He's only got where he's got because he uses my name all the time. <laughs> I don't want another failed marriage, no. but I still believe in a happy ever after. I'm packing she she's smiling. <laughs> we are with the force of nature. <laughs> many, many of you viewers know about my upbringing in Witness, chemical manufacturing town. The neighbouring town is Warrington, which we call the Wires. Yeah. So whenever there was like a rugby league match, it would be full on running battles. The Wires. Woolly backs we called, aren't we? Woolly backs. If we go to Liverpool, they call us Woolly backs. Go yeah. to Manchester, they call us Scousers. Yeah, I know. It's like when I joined Atomic Kitten because they're both Scousers, mm. everyone else might have thought I was a Scouser and I got offended. Not there's anything wrong with Scousers because my biological father. He was a scout, so I never got to meet him, we'll get to that. And he had children who I met when I was at 28, when I found them, and they're all scousers. But they talk like that. Say it, do I asked for the news, not the weather. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm not a scouser, so, although. So when did it start in Warrington for you? Was that from your birth or? What? When I was born? Were you born? <laughs> <laughs> I was born. My mum had, I'm a product of an affair. Okay. Oh. So um, I'm an only child to my mum. I was born in Warrington, Warrington Hospital. Um, and I'm, de I'm de proud to be from Warrington. I put, I feel like me, Chris Evans, Pete Possibweights. We've all put Warrington on the map. They're all from Warrington. Chris, Chris Evans, Evans came yeah. at my school, yeah. Pete Possibweights. We've got Sporty Spice, you know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you've got our Mel. My sister, my sister went down to school with her. Yeah, yeah. Mel, yeah. Um, so I'm really proud to be from Warrington. Um, an only child to my mum. My mum had lots of mental health issues and drug issues, a lot of men issues, which clearly I picked up all these traits later on in life. Um, yeah, my mum used to try to kill herself a lot, slit in her wrist, all that, and I got put in foster home. I have four sets of foster parents, three refugees, eight different skills. Uh, got put in a semi-independence house when I was 16, because I wanted to be a page three model, and got my first flat when I was 17, and then I was in Mrs Smith's. Hit Good man old and her. Hitman Hit and man her. her. <laughs> I was in Mr. Smith's and I got approached and then my life changed. Oh shit, that was on the first night because me and Wildman used yeah. to go mind sweeping, chatting mind up the birds in Warrington. Yeah, no, Mr. Smith's, he's yeah. gone now, hasn't it? Totally. It was a great, great club that was. It was on the TV. At night, yeah. yeah. Hitman and her, like, uh uh. <laughs> <laughs> Michaela Shacken and Pete Walkman. Were you a raver then? I was, I've never been a raver. I've never been to rave. I've never been to Creamfield. Never done any of that. I've done loads of drugs since I've 
well documented. <laughs> uh, but no, I've never, I've, never, I've, never, I've never done festivals, anything like that. But Mrs. Smith, I loved. Yeah. But you were a dancer? Not professionally. No. But uh, I was a lap dancer. I'm getting in. Yeah, at the beginning of Atomic Kid. Yeah. I've just kind of gone back to my roots, really, haven't I? Do you know any fans? <laughs> so you've said a lot there. Let's go back Where a bit. Where do you want to start? Let's yeah. just go back a bit. What was it like growing up? Well, I I lived, I was pushed, I was, I lived with me, I didn't really live with my mum growing up. I lived with me Nana Betty. My Nana Betty brought me up. And we lived in a council estate called Vulcan Close in Padgate. And it was bloody brilliant. And I loved it. You know, it's said safe. Like now, I won't let my DJ who's eight go play out on, on the streets, even and look where I live. But back then in the 80s, like in Vulcan, on this council estate, like when Princess Diana and, um, Prince Charles got married, like they had a street party. And my godmother lived next door, you'd have microwave chips on floor. You know, it was great and it felt dead safe. We got my clothes off a jumble sale. I'll never forget me now and buying me these jumpers off this jumble. She bought me some shoes as well that gave me brokers because we were dead skimp. And she bought me these jumpers off this jumble sale. And everybody, like some kids had like Reebok on their jumper. So I got some wool. I tried to sew in uh, Reebok on my jumper. So I'm matching with the other kids, but we, it was it was just like a council estate. Did it look up. good, the Reebok? No, it looked shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, and then in the 80s as well, my mum was with another woman. I got beat up because of that. Uh, it's like that in the 80s though, wasn't it? It was really frowned upon Especially there. in these northern towns, very racist. Yeah. Very so it, I remember it was my birthday and I think I was living with my mum or my mum had a visitation with me at that time, I can't remember. But my auntie was also gay. And I had this birthday party, I was only nine. And my mum, I invited like 10 people to my birthday party, you know, for like be there for 12 o'clock. I'm like, oh, you know, they'll be here in a minute. And um, no one turned up. Oh. I ended up opening past the parcel by myself. Because oh. oh, so uh, my mum was with a woman. Wow. No one's fault, it's just how fucked up society, can I swear on it? Yeah, yeah. after how... the first five minutes, <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> how, how fucked up her society was back then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm getting beat up from school and everything. So that followed you through school? Um, no, I mean, I was really popular in school, to be honest. I was, I was, I wasn't, I was a cheeky. I'm a proper tomboy, me as well. But even though I was a pretty girl in school, I was never up my own ass. You know, like I'd hang out with the swats and, and the smelly kids and, no, I did, I had time for everybody. So yeah. yeah, but I loved high school. Never wanted to leave high school. What lessons were you good at? Uh, drama, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. I loved maths, although I can't do it now, but I, it was my teacher. I loved history. I loved RE, anything to do with biblical times. I loved my documentaries. I loved learning. I'm dyslexic as well, and ADHD, I'm sure you can tell. I'm bipolar. Oh, the list goes on how long have we got. <laughs> um, so I absolutely loved high school. I love school, but my mum kept me out of school quite a lot to go cash a gyros and you know go do food shop for her at the age of eight kind of thing. But school was my escapism. But um, I was a good kid. I was cheeky, but I wasn't a naughty child. And when you're in foster home, like you get a label as if you're some naughty kid. And I wasn't a naughty kid at all. But your teachers will look at you as oh you're in foster home. You are. And that wasn't the case, you know. My mum's fella stabbed her, told us it was Freddy Krueger, wanted to cut our tits and find out, put us in the fridge and chop us up. What? Yeah. So I got put in foster home. So it's like, it's not my fault. 
Can you yeah. give us a, that story in a bit more detail? Well, the book's out in October, <laughs> so um, you just give me yours, so you can read mine. <laughs> so I've actually just done my third autobiography. My third wow. autobiography. Third! Oh, I'm 41, you just three autobiographies at 41. <laughs> it's a trilogy, man. Uh, it, yeah. Is it, yeah. Yeah, yeah? Not as good. Go, go back to, you said earlier that your mum was suicidal. Did you experience that first hand or was that you well, shielded from it? My first memories is my mum slitting wrist when I was three. And you saw that, Yeah, you? so my mum was always trying to OD. So this is why I have Molly and Lily on my wrist. Because I remember going to Arizona to rehab after me and Brian split up. I was doing loads of drugs and I was in a really bad place. And they, they get they get out yeah. Because I just, I tell my life story like it's a script. Mm. You know, so you said, I'm... Humour's my defence mechanism. You know, I could walk in a room and be in a really bad situation with my mum and be able to handle the situation at such a young age because I've been in these situations as a child. And, and they get it out, yeah, and I remember thinking, if it is, if, you know, back then it was called manic depressive. Now it's called bipolar. And I thought, well, if I'm manic depressive or if it's in my DNA or if it's genetic, if I ever, I never want my kids, because a lot of my pain comes from my mum feeling worthless. I remember my mum sitting there once going, I want to die. She wants to kill herself. So I went and got all the tablets, went, you do it, do it. I think it must be about 15. And she made her take all the tablets. I rang an ambulance, went, right, I'm going back to my foster parents because i got my GCSEs tomorrow. So when your mum sits there wanting to kill themselves because she says she's got nothing to live for, it makes you feel worthless. So I never, ever wanted my kids ever to feel like I don't want them or I don't love them. So I thought, well, if I ever get to that point... I'd have to be really selfish, because my mum's got marked all the way up her arm. I thought I'd have to be really, really selfish to cut through my kids' names. Yeah. So that, that's why they're there. I only had Molly and Lily at the time. So, what, yeah. What age did you go to foster care? 13. 13? Yeah. So what was your mum's backstory? Why oh, was she mum like had that? a terrible life. You know, my mum had a really bad life. And she's just who she is. You know, she drinks every day. She's... I, I had my first drug with my mum. I was 14. She told me it was sure, but it was speed. No. When she was with a girlfriend. So I was in foster home, so I was only allowed to have supervised visits with my mum. Um, but I snuck off to go and because she's my mum. My mum's my centre of my universe, you know what I mean? Though I wasn't allowed to see her. I didn't live with her very often, but she was still my mum. And I snuck off to this pub to go and see her. And she went in the toilet with a girlfriend, Tina, at the time. I thought she's been there for ages. And I had this little pink top on. I used to have great tits. And uh, I remember it said, handle with care. <laughs> I was only 14, but I was really well developed. And she was in the toilet for ages. I thought, what? She's doing it. I remember exactly what I was wearing. And I went in, she had this bag of white powder. I said, what's that? What are you doing? She went, like that, put a finger in, and I'm dropping my gum. She went, oh, it, it tastes like shit, doesn't yeah. it? And it was speed. So I didn't know any difference. So people think that I just fucked my life up because I was in the industry. I was doing drugs well before I got an atomic kitten, but I thought that was normal. I would then say my pocket money off my foster parents to go get rapper whiz. Mm-hmm. I never, I could never, I remember I found out I least smoked, I was heartbroken. Smoking, like she's, she's, she's nearly 20, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I was heartbroken, I could never, imagine me going, come on Lily, do you want a fancy line of coke? Do you no. know what I mean? But I did that with my mum. How did it make you feel when you were first taking it, the whiz? I thought it was great, I mean, Let's look, look at me now. Can you imagine what I used to be like on fucking Wiz? Seriously. Uh, I'd be like a jack-in-a-box, <laughs> bouncing everywhere. I mean, I tell my life story within the first three minutes, you know what I mean? I mean, I look back, but I thought people who didn't... I remember going home to my foster parents, I'll never forget it. I remember laying there and I going... 
currently sleep or anything. I was like, oh my god, what? My room's dead tired. I thought this is fucking great. This. <laughs> Couldn't stop cleaning. Lost the parents. Like you're very tired. Like yeah, no, it's great in it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time I ever touched drugs. That. And did your foster parents have a clue what you were doing? No. no. Well, I was hyper. I'm ADHD anyway. I'm hyper anyway. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but no, they didn't have a clue. No one knew until it came out in the papers. But I think all the press kind of knew what it was up to. It was all very an unkept secret. They just had no proof until they filmed me. What about ecstasy? Yeah, I done loads of pills. Back in the day, you used to do half a pill, just make sure it was it safe. It was alright, yeah. Make sure it was alright, just do half <laughs> a pill. Oh, we do a quarter, me and me mate. I won't, I won't, I could put so many people <laughs> I know, but I won't do. Um, yeah, I used to love a pill. God, the thought of doing anything like that scares the shit out of me. Mm. Honest to God, the thought, I, it, do you not think, I think, I mean, no one should ever do drugs, but those who have done it, I get you do it when you're younger, but then you move on, don't you? But, and I'm not going to lie, I had some fucking great times. Mm. I did, but with me, cocaine became my best friend. But I did marry my drug dealer. Right. Yeah, well, Mark we'll Croft was my mum's drug dealer. So when I got out of Arizona, I was clean for six weeks. I remember sitting in my mum's front room, and she went, I've just started one of them. And Mark Croft walked in. Nah. So was it love at first sight? Oh, was it fuck? You see the state of him. You know what? I'm not going to sit here and say, Mark off, right? No. He's got nothing to do with the children. Fuck my whole life up. And I, I've had to let go. I can't hold him responsible for what happened in my life. I've got to take responsibility for myself and my own actions. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, at one point, it was my mum's fault for my childhood. It was Brian's fault for leaving me. It was my accountant's fault for stealing money. It was Mark Cross's fault for all the drugs. I've got, I, I've got to take... You've got to take ownership, and that's the only way you're going to move on with your life. Otherwise, you'll be very bitter. And I was very, very bitter. It was everybody's fault, and the world owed me. Mm. No fucker, it's happened. It's the past. It's how I deal with it today, exactly. and what I move on for. I can't do it about it now, but it's about today and what I do with it now. So going back, where did you go after you left school? I I've always worked from the age of fourteen with foster parents. I had a Saturday job in Warrington Market. Uh, Warrington Market. Warrington I'm, Market. Every Saturday we used to go to Warrington Market. An old, an old lad, you stand at bottom and stare at me. From I one used, of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I recognise <laughs> that edge. <laughs> <laughs> a lad from Witness. Again. <laughs> so I've, worked, I've always grafted. I've always had my own money. I've never had to rely on anybody. Cause, like when I was a kid, we used to go. We used to call it kiting where me and my mum and a fella they used to have credit cards and. I used to go shoplifting with my mum. My mum just put things out, what she wanted. Um, I mean, my kids are very, very posh. <laughs> you know, that you did meet our Lily. She's so polite. Isn't she? Yeah. You would think they're my kids, would you? But I brought my kids, honest <laughs> God, people don't until they come to my home. I meet the children, they're like, oh my God, you know, you're doing a great, they're completely different to how I was brought up. But I worked in French, French Fashion Connections, it was called, on a shoe and a clothes shop. And then on a Saturday night, I could sit world. Do you remember the world? World. In Warrington. I worked at Topman and Nets Did you? and Burton's in Warrington. I worked at JD. No. On the corner. <laughs> I did. A Melzine game. Yeah. But I've always worked. I worked at Fashion Connections at the age of 14, every Saturday. And then on a Saturday night, I got a job underage working at World Glass Collecting. Did you lie about your age then, obviously? Well, did they yeah, give you the job? They, they, they kind of knew, but it was all cash in hand, wasn't it, in a little envelope. Yeah, of course. I worked there, and then I quit, and then I started working at JD Sports mm. on a Saturday because the money was better. And then I worked in a chip shop. 
captain's table. I worked there and it was just a nightmare. Aunt Piss said, come on, can't get on my carry. You know, and you're all like, oh, because you aren't you dead fit. Get your tits out for it, lads. Fuck off. I charge that shit now. <laughs> I could eat all the cat kebabs in the world I wanted. It was great. And then I... So when I was in foster home, I was obsessed with my tits. I'm not gonna lie. I had the most amazing boobs you've ever seen in your life. I was a size six waist with a 34 double D chest. Shit. I'll show you a picture. They were so. I'll show you a quick picture. The, the looks. I'll show you. You see, I'm always pancake. No, honest God, like, they looked so fake. It was ridiculous. Honestly, in school, they used to. And I was me. like, that is my get out. I was not going to be a fucking rocket scientist, was I, love? Let's be honest. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, and it was like, I was all, I've, been, I've done modelling since I was three anyway, but it was like, this is my get out. I had a great ass, great set of tits. And it was at the time when pastry was huge. We had Samantha Fox, Linda Lazade, Melinda Messenger, Joe Guest. Do you remember Joe Maria Guest? <laughs> How many of those posters did you have on your wall? No. no. So that was it's in the newspapers. So I was in foster home, but I went to my mum's and I did a portfolio and we sent the pictures off to the Sun newspaper. And they're like, oh, it'll take about eight to ten weeks. And they rang me the next day because they're like, you're going to be the next Samantha Fox. Wow. Because I was 16, so young, with such big boobs, and they were natural. They were, they were desperate for it. But I had a court order on me because of my foster, because I was in foster home. So the guy my mum was with, I had this court on him until I was 18, so he couldn't come anywhere near. You know, I was being protected, which that frustrated me then. So I couldn't do it because it's court order. So I left foster home and got put into a semi-independence home at the age of 16 to get the court order lifted. Um, nothing came of it, I think. And then I got my first flat when I was 17 and I went in Mr. Smith's and I got spotted by a guy called David T who was in a, a, bar, a band called the Pawn Kings. I remember, I'll never forget him coming up to me, I'm in this band, Pawn Kings, won't you be a dancer? Fuck off, you pervert. Pawn Kings, my ass. <laughs> Told me, mum, she's like, you're not going to be no bleeding bluey. But do you know that song? Ooh, come on, come on. Brothers and sisters, I want to see your hands. I will always need you. You mean the world to me. Let's see, you know, know that song? Have you heard it? Back in the day, at William P. At William P. I left... England in 91. All right, okay. It might come after my time, that one. Did it? 91. I was yeah. only 11. So okay. Not, it, well, yeah, after, after your time. my time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. But yeah, and, and plus I always sang in karaoke, and karaoke. I was always performing, always performing. Mm. And next thing you know, I rang, the, I rang this day up the next day. Two weeks later, I'm in, this is so crazy, I'm in Germany on an MTV stage in front of 10,000 people pretending to play the keyboard in a... Like a dead sexy... And then I got a job on Men and Motors. And how was that? I used to dance in this PVC. Like I got, it's all on YouTube. I go, look at, look at my figure back then, wasn't it great? <laughs> um, I started working on, on that, on Men and Motors, dance, like just dancing sexy. And then um, I got, my friend was, lap dancing, she went, why don't you come in and lap dance? And I became one of the highest earners because I had such big boobs. I only did it for three weeks, so I didn't like what it. What time was that out of? I was at the start of Atomic Kitten because I couldn't afford, because we was in and out of the studio, but I wasn't being paid, so I was paying electricity and all that kind of shit. So, and the other two girls were still living at home with their mum and dad. They were 14 and 16, and I was 18. So I had to look after myself. Were you mm. nervous it was going to come out in the press? 
didn't think about anything like that. Didn't, didn't, not, not at all. Well, we had, um, we had our media training with Kate Thornton. I didn't even think, and yeah, yeah when you, you get signed, I'll never forget the um, record label. Martin O'Shea, our manager, told me after I left Atomic Kitten that Hugh Goldsmith, when we had our, um, what's it called? When we did our audition for all the different record companies, Hugh Goldsmith was like, I want to sign him, because, but not the blonde girl. <gasps> and Martin went, why? He says, she's a, a loose cannonball. But I was the founder member of Atomic Kitten. I was going to ask how it was founded. Well, when I was working with Davey T, doing all this backing dancing, he was like, you've got something about you, you need to, do, you need to be more up front. So he said, there's this guy called Andy McCluskey from OMD, All Cash on Moves in the Dark. He wants to make, uh, put a girl band together, I think you should go and see him. Never been for an audition in my life. <laughs> so I got the train from Warrington to Liverpool to Hesker Street on Lark Lane. I took my portfolio of all page three photographs, told those dirty jokes. Had them all laughing, sang a few songs, and the bass of band drama personality. No way. And I was in the band for two months on my own, and then we held auditions, and I chose Liz McClanden and Heidi Range. And Heidi, you went sugar babes, Heidi and Liz didn't get on. And then they went and picked Natasha without me knowing, and I couldn't stand her. Really? I couldn't stand her. And they said, uh, give it two weeks, if you don't like her, we'll get rid of her. And I took us at nightclub at World. And we had a great time and we fell in love and she became my bestest friend ever. I loved that. And, that, and four weeks later, I think it was four weeks later, we got a record deal. Wow. Life changed overnight. Holy shit. Yeah. With Hole Again. Uh, no, the first song was Right Now. Was it? Yeah, we had four singles out when I was in the band. We had Right Now, See Ya, Follow Me and Hole Again. And there was about to drop us. And I wasn't enjoying it because obviously it all came out about the page three Madeline, which was fine. Then I was dating a Westlife, and so it all became about me and Brian. And then, like, we do photo shoots as the three of us. And I'll never forget, we did a photo shoot for the sub with Beverly Goodway, who I sent my page three photographs off to. And when we turned up, he had my letter and my portfolio. Um, because I went and did auditions for him, and my mum had that picture up on the wall, and like me topless. And it was the three of us in cat suits for the pastry. I don't know if you remember the picture. It's me like this and this leather cat suit. And it's supposed to be the three of us. Anyway, we're up at four o'clock to go to the Disney Channel show on SMTV. And we know it's in paper. So me and Carl, my tour manager, pulled up at the service station. I went, I'll go get the paper. And I went in to get the paper and I opened it. I went, oh, for fuck's sake. And Carl went, it's just you, in it? I went, yeah, I did not want to get back in the car. And it just, it wasn't what I expected, you know. I thought if I become famous and rich, my mum will love me, I'll buy her house, it'll all be nice. But I wanted to be a mum and a wife more than rich and famous. So I fell pregnant, got married very young, and, and that, that's what I wanted. And I gave everything up, that, but the fame just followed me, so I had to utilise it, really. <laughs> I mean, what was it like your first time on stage? Were you nervous? Oh, it's, um, yeah. <clears throat> the first time, no, I was really, I'm more nervous now than what I was back then. It was, <coughs> it was such a buzz, such a buzz. And then you see all these people singing, and I'll never forget this little girl smiling at me. And it just gave me so much joy. Just making people laugh and giving them memories. It was great. And I'm having fun. 
You know, it's every kid's dream, you know, you have a hairbrush in your, your bathroom, in your bedroom. Yeah, you sure go, oh. <laughs> You know, and there I am doing it, and it was amazing. It was just, it was just unbelievable. I mean, to come from where I come from, and, and I, I did it on my own, because, you know, Tash and Liz, they had the parents, I really did it all by myself. Well done. You know, and I'm so proud of it. You know, looking back on it now, as I'm saying, it's like, I really did it. I remember when we got the record deal. I remember ringing my mum, she was absolutely shit-faced, and then Tash and Liz, and I thought, oh, fuck it, you know. I got a record deal, you know, and I celebrated it with the girls. Were you doing drugs at the time? At the God, yeah, not not all not all the time. Like I was doing drugs loads of times, but not all the way through. If that makes sense, the drugs really for me was when I moved back to England when I split up with Brian. That's when the drugs, like an atomic kitten, there was people say like there's loads of drugs. I never really experienced that side of it. I got me drugs from Wellington. <laughs> You know, I, I I can't say that I weren't doing drugs like with these celebrities because it never happened. And I never experienced any of that because you're so busy working, you're so controlled by the record company. You, you, you have no downtime. So my downtime was when I came home with my mum and got off my head then. So it was never in the industry. So people say, oh, the industry fucked short, you know, it's all drugs. I thought no fucker offered me any free drugs when I was in Atomic Kitten. I'd pay for all my, I would have gone home. <laughs> <laughs> Cost me fortune. <laughs> what was it like sliding into the celebrity life then at such a young age? Because you were when you joined Atomic Kitten. Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, the other two girls were quite nervous and a bit more laid back. Where I was very loud and bold. And I remember seeing Tom Jones and uh, never met him before in my life. And I went, Tom. We were doing Pepsi Chart shows together. And he went, Oh, it's Atomic Kitten. I went, Catch me. He went, What? Well, I said, Catch me. And he just went. And I ran up to him and jumped on him. Hey! Funny enough, he liked me after that. <laughs> I think because, in my eyes, they were never no different to me. I think I get more starstruck now um, than... I mean, yesterday I was at the football with James Carden. I'm like, oh my God, so James Carden yesterday. It's amazing. Yeah, but back then, when I was younger, I think you just, you just have more energy about you, don't you? You have more... Less fear. I, it's like, I know where I've come from and I'll never change. I'm down to earth. I, you're no different than me. I'm no different than you. We all fart, shit and burp. Although, because I'm a C-lister, my farts do smell a little bit nicer, <laughs> I have to say. Um, but I've never, and I think you've got no right to talk to me like a piece of shit because I'm not. And there was a bit of a change. You see you see these celebrities talking to makeup artists and runners. I think, you know, and I think that's why I've still got a career because I've always been nice to everybody. Well, that's what's interesting about you is how you've kept your ego in check because people get fame and it goes oh I've got heads. imposter syndrome massively <laughs> imposter syndrome oh my god like we're in the papers today because we're at West Ham with our James Conner like, oh my god can you play can we, oh my god can we the picture with James Conner oh my god you know and it's like I forget that I've been around for a million one years and I, I forget that but I'm so grateful I'm so blessed I'm so appreciative <laughs> And when I get tasked to, to do these reality shows, it's not about them. I think, what a great memory. When I lie on my deathbed, I'm going to go, wow, I did that. I'd rather have a regret doing it and thinking, fuck, this is hard, than have a regret not giving it a go. Like doing SAS, the jungle, and all that kind of shit. I, I gave it a go. Yeah, so, isn't that awesome? So in, in the beginning, people coming up to you, recognising you. I hated it. Hated that, it? Messed my, that messed my head up. Did you? you love it. Mess, no, that, back <laughs> then, back then it really messed my head up. 
I, that's why I had to start having a drink before I went out. Right. So you never got a break from... When you're in a girl band, it's really hard work. People don't understand. You don't have any sleep. I remember we did a Southeast Asia stuff. We all ended up in hospital on trips. So we're doing the big breakfast and we were Johnny's Angels. So we're on telly every day. It was on for a week. And then we don't get to see the other side of it because you, you're there, hotel, performance, photo shoot. You don't get to mingle. Right? You, you know, it's work, work, work. And I remember we had like a couple of days off. And we, I finally got to go home. I was like, oh, come on, let's go out. Like he always used to. And I went in the world. And my God, I had two drinks, went on, went never again. I had people go, oh my God, I know your dad's a Duke. Because I don't. <laughs> oh, I know your sister. That's funny, I'm an only child. You know, oh, she slept with my boyfriend. Have you seen fucking state of you? Why would I sleep with him? And look at you. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was so messed up and people, and the way that I, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Did I, your friends start to behave differently towards yeah, you as well? Yeah, I'll never forget my, my ex-boyfriend, Carl. We're still really good friends. I remember we got all these free CDs from uh, Virgin Records. And he's like, well, let me borrow them. I said, I said, you can do it. I said, but let me listen to them first. And then, oh, oh you've changed because I won't let you borrow it until I've listened to them. If I'd have bought these, and I wasn't who I am now, I'd say the same thing. So you see people changing differently. I had so many angers on, and that that that, that, that was awful. Have you, people have you... asking for money? Oh God, yeah, everybody. I spent, I, I, buy, I bought people's love and affection. That was my mistake. I was buying everybody, including my mums. Everybody, I bought everybody's love. It, it was to prove that I hadn't changed. And that's why I was doing drugs. Oh, yeah, let's get some coke, because I've not changed. Down to Yeah, I'm down to earth. I'm still me. Do you know what I mean? It's really, yeah. Have so you I got think. friends from childhood who've stuck with you and nope. completely normal? Not one. No, no, no. Apart from John and Leslie, who uh, my mum's friends, but yeah. they're my friends. But no, not one I of them. That's no. sad. But it's sad, isn't it? Not yeah. one person. My, my friends as Ray and my fiance and my kids and Danielle Brown. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a very and I'm Pika. I'm very very small. I've got pe- I don't I don't go out socialising. This is this is I work. I'm constantly working, constantly earning. I've come back up on top. That doesn't mean I'm going to take my foot off the pedal. No, I've got to keep grafting because I've lost it. I've been bankrupt twice. You know, I've gone from being nothing to getting my clothes off a jumble sale to becoming a millionaire to going bankrupt, bankrupt again to becoming a millionaire. What again. years were the bankruptcies? Um, two, I want to say 2008, 2008, the first one, 2009 maybe, second one, 2015, and I've been out of it now for eight years, so that's all done, dusted, and become a millionaire again, who the fuck does that? That is amazing. Who does that? You sound like an extreme workaholic. I am. You sound like you. What about the crazy after parties and stuff, did you engage in any of that? What, an atomic kitten? Yes. Oh, I never, because... It was difficult because the girls was underage, like Tasha had to have a chaperone. So we'd all mm. pretend we'd all pretend to go to bed. Because I was 18, I'm like, Tasha, come on, like Liz was dead she was dead good mm. Alice Liz was. I go, Tasha, come on. I remember we went to Will Smith and Jazzy Jess Party. In fact, I was with um, Lee Francis, Keith Lemon, doing a podcast the other week, and he was there as well when he was having Miriam. And it was like, do you remember when we was all at this Will Smith party? So that yeah, we, there was just not after parties. Like we'd all just go out and get pissed up in London. Really, not very often because again we were so busy. And you got very mad. I've got nothing wild to tell you. My wildness was when I was younger and more so when I spoke with Brian, Mrs. Smith. Mm. Yeah, it was as wild as it got for me. Um, yeah, we was always just busy working, but we had some we had some great times out and about. Yeah, because tabloids make you know you're a bit of a party animal. By the yeah. 
What I've met of you today, you're not really. No, they don't even drink, really. We went on holiday, I like a strawberry daiquiri on holiday, but back in the day, I wasn't a part, you'll never see a picture of me falling out of a nightclub. You know, but, but I had a reputation because I'm loud, I'm brass, I'm, you know, I start talking like that, you know what I mean, look? Because, <laughs> I, get, because, because I get a lot of it's nerves, and it, it's just a persona that I play up to as well, but... Now, as soon as you go, the lashes will be off, makeup will be off. I don't even know why I bothered putting these on, to be honest. I just didn't really know what was going on today. <laughs> so, you made it sound like after Atomic Kittens, it all just went massive. But what were the challenges during Atomic Kittens? There must have been ups and downs. The travelling. Um, we're like sisters, so you fight a lot. Like you would be sisters. So, I think for me, was a lot of it was like, you remember SMTV? Yes. And CGK. Do you remember Chums? Like, Conor McAnally, the producer, would always use me. To be a character on there, and the girls wanted it, and I was—I—I don't—I'm not asking these newspapers to edit and put just me in it. That for me was like, you know what, this just isn't worth it. And I met Brian, fell in love, and I was like, I just want to be mum. It's kind of that—that that for me was the hardest. How did you meet Brian? Um. Oh fuck! <laughs> I've been married so many times since then. Can't I'm going, Let me Google it. <laughs> um. That was it. I think it was in Brighton. So, in our car in the Chrysler, in our pickup, uh, Carl will be driving, or Helen it was at the time. Liz had her chair, Tasha had her chair, and I'd have the whole back seat. Tasha listened to Dr. Drake and R&B. Liz, in her ears, would listen to Westlife and Boyzone. And I would listen to Rod Stewart and Dr. Hawk. Roy Orbison, Elvis, I was Motown, that's, you know, really old school. So we all different types of music. So when I got into pop industry, I ain't got a fucking clue any of them were. You know, all these girls, I, I remember saying, like, excuse me, do you know where toilets are? And Liz was like, oh my God, that's Ben from A1. And I'm like, oh, use A1? <laughs> I, did, I did not, I did, I did not have a clue. And then we was in this lift. And I knew she liked Westlife, but I won't be able I won't be able to tell you any of them work. It wasn't my thing. Like now I won't have a clue. It's only because of Atomic Kitten and I work with these people that you realise who they are. And we got out of this lift and Liz was like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I'm like, I'm like, what? What what is it? Oh my god, there's Brian. I went, oh, oh, oh Brian knew from Westlife. Oh my god, I was so excited for her. I was like, which which one is it? Which one is it? Him there and there. She's like, oh my god, oh my god, I went, right, so I went, come on, go say hi to him. No, I can't, I can't, I can't. Me be me. Excuse me, love, is your name Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Are you in Westlife? Me mate's a really big fan. Can you have a picture? And that's how I met him. And what was his approach to <laughs> Um, oh he stopped me. He did, yeah. He was like, and I was like, listen, love, just because you're in a boy band, don't think I'm going to be another fucking notch on your bedpost. One thing people have to understand about me is I fell in love and got married a lot. You can count, go through papers, you'll see how many people slept with it. It's not a lot. I've never, people, because I'm bald and because I've done pastry and all that, I remember Duncan James saying to me, you know what it's like having a threesome, don't you? I went, no. Why would you, because of people, that's what people presume that's the kind of person I am. But I, I, I'm really loyal and I fell in love and I wanted it all to happen and last forever. It just didn't work out that way. So after the stalking, did he whisk you off? He <laughs> made me laugh. If you look at all my husbands, and there's a lot, um, <laughs> none of them look alike. I haven't yeah. got a type. It's humour's a big thing for me. 
and Brian made me laugh so much. He was so funny, and, and that's what it was. And it went from there, really. And we started. You don't know who Westlife are, do you? Because I was overseas for twenty years mm. almost. I, I skipped a lot of things. Do you know who One Direction are? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Westlife was like One Direction back Honestly, then. My first CD was well, Savage Garden. They had like thirteen. They had like yeah. thirteen mm. number one hits. They were, they were like huge. One Direction. Back then, yeah, that, that's what they were like. And all there. the girls would swoon over him, right? And, and like, and then, yeah. and then they, they stand up off the chairs in slow mo. <laughs> so did that cause chaos everywhere you Do went? You know the song "Flying Without Wings." Flying without wings. And it crossed to America. No, 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 no. No, well, yeah, they, they, were, they were really huge. They, they, yeah. were, they were back. In, they were huge. So when I met Brian. It was it was a massive nineties. It was a pop sensation mm. thing for Carrie from Atomic Kitten and Brian from Westlife getting married. I mean, it, yeah, was, it was huge. It Brian was... Harvey was disappointed because I didn't know that Christmas song you did. What Christmas song I did? Take me. What is it? Brian Harvey's Christmas song. Who's Brian Harvey? With that, that it Who's was Brian it Harvey? was massively famous. Not very tell me what one, but who's Brian Harvey? It's got a number. Google Brian Harvey real quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's that band that was really famous when I was away, but I'd never heard of them when he was up. He was a Brian no, Harvey. A number in the, in the name. A number in E seventeen. That's it. Yeah. Ah, E seventeen. Stay now, baby. Stay now, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Right, Did okay. you ever bump into Brian Harvey? No, I've never met him. Okay. okay. Yeah. He's a lively, <laughs> he's a lively went... character. Shout out to Brian Harvey. But we went on tour with E17 without Brian Harvey oh, okay. to Australia uh, after the big reunion and all that. Where was he? He'd left by then, wasn't he? I ain't got a fucking clue. I don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> I know who he is. I know yeah. of him, but I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like you went through that. You you, mm-hmm. you kind of like breezed through fame. These other young people, it sounds like it really did something Struggle psychologically things. to them. Mass- yeah, I think I was already fucked up anyway. I think because of my childhood, it helped. It actually helped my childhood. It, it helped me get a mental yeah, barrier. Yeah, massively. Um, I remember getting. I, I just. I just. I remember nineteen. I got put on antidepressants while I was in Tommy Kitten. Um, but I. I had struggles from my from my home. You see, so it was hard being in the industry and trying to deal with the shit that was going on at home. And oh my god. Please, I've got to deal with this, and then I've got to go on live television. I never forget what I was doing. I was doing something, and something happened with me, Mama, and then I had to go on TV and go, "Hi, you know, you know, I got, I got to deal with this, and I get off." So you become very used to doing shit like that. Mm. Do you think your need for a family then come from my childhood? Yes, massively. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be a mom and a wife, and I wanted to say, wait till your dad gets home. You know, get mm. your own work done and have a father around. So I know. My choices have been because of my childhood. I forced it on my children that they needed their dad in their lives. I had to get remarried and have another kid and keep trying to do the same thing over and over over again because it was my dream, not theirs. And it took me to the age of 36 to realise I'm more than enough for my kids. I've been with Ryan now for over four years and I'm not married, (laughs) no kids, and so divorce lawyer in sight, doing something different. I mean, Brian proposed to me after three weeks. Three weeks? That's how good I am in bed. (laughs) 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 See, you talk about having this normal family life. Like, we're in a relationship with someone like Brian McFadden, you were Mm. hardly gonna get that. 
I mean, how do you try it wasn't, and bring But to down? you, it's Brian McFadden. But to me, just I just met him. Do you know what I mean? And he made me laugh. And it was a very normal life. When we come on, like, make the kids in the garden picking out fucking frogs. Do you know what I mean? It is a norm. When I'm at home, there was nothing... When me and Brian was at home, when he was at home, I mean, I was a golf widow, you know, he was golf mad. So when he wasn't on tour, he was, you know, it was just, I mean, that marriage was doomed before it was bloody over. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was just a normal life. It was when you go out, it's how the people sensationalise it. And you the cameras and all yeah, if you go to events, but there was never really paps in Ireland like that. When I came home to England was when it was just, I've never experienced it like it. Ever when we split up, I've never because I lived in Ireland and I had to come back home to England because I had nothing there. So I moved home to England, and that was when it was like, fuck, I've never seen anything like it. Sleeping outside my house, like 40 pat. It was, just, I mean, when I lived in Wimslow, I lived on a corner and it's on my MTV show, and you'll see the paps just sat there waiting. It, I've never, it was mad, madness. I've never experienced anything like that. That was just crazy. Do you want Everyone. to be ex- able to explain to Sean the sort of story behind that? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, he's um, a So, oh, it's quite refreshing, this, actually. <laughs> so, I, me and Brian McFadden, he was in this massive boy band. I was in a massive girl band. We just got number one with Hole again, and I left. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't want to do it. I got pregnant with Molly. I was only 20. Um, and I thought, that's it. So, I had Molly. And then we, I moved to Ireland, I gave my career up, gave it all up because I just wanted to be a wife, obviously, but I'm still married to a Westlifer. So it's like being married to, um, what, what the, the One Direction's, like... Harry Styles. Like being married to Harry Styles or yeah. something like that. Ooh. That's that's what, that's what it was like back then in the early noughties. I mean, it was huge, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, our wedding was pathetic. I mean, I got a blessing off the Pope. And Mariah Carey <laughs> sent us wedding pictures, like wedding frame pictures. What a lot of fucking good that did. <laughs> because Westlife performed for the Pope, a private thing, and obviously being Irish, Catholics, the parents, like, oh my God. So I went, but I didn't go to watch. I, I went to Pedro Pio's house, I was pregnant. And then the second man in command of the Pope was in the airport, not randomly, surrounded by all this press. And their tour manager was Irish, grabbed him and he blessed me Bella. And then as we stood at the altar, he goes, and we've got a blessing from the Pope himself. Like I say, what a fucking good that did. That's why I'm not a Catholic. <laughs> um, but we had, he had a stag do, Brian. See where this is going? So four months before we got married, he had a stag do. Uh, no, a month before. And four months after we were married, I was doing a TV show called Eliminate. I was in the Bahamas or Barbados filming. I had his mum with me, I had my mum with me, I had Molly with me. And my friend was flying out, we're flying to Vegas after I was doing this film I was doing. And I was around, she went, are you all right? I was like, yeah, well, what's so she goes, the papers and Brian said, what? I said, let me go. That's all she said, and I rang our drawer up. And she went, I'm so sorry, I said, what's happened? And he slept with a girl and he paid a 15 grand keep her mouth shut. I thought, fucking hell, I can blow job, I only get a pair of new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> she gets 15 grand, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and I was absolutely devastated and the way he made it out to me was like I was one going crazy and he was denying it and denying it anyway it came out and it was all true but I was like why did you make a sign summit you shouldn't have done that and so that was evidence of yeah it. anyway I got compassionate leave for four to eight hours so I flew from the Bahamas or Barbados I think it was the Bahamas 
to Manchester, got picked up by their tour manager because I was on tour and drove to Newcastle. I was absolutely shattered to talk and he was in concert and Lou Walsh is going to me. Whatever you do, Kerry, just don't hit him in the face because the Americans are here. We're trying to get this deal. Hit him in the fucking face, Louie. Yeah. And you knew about this. And none of it, all the Westlife boys were dead scared. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny because we had, on the way down, I had a great laugh with Paul Higgins. He was also One Direction tour manager. Mm. So Paul Higgins is a huge tour manager in the industry. And we're having a laugh down. And he was like, Kerry, just don't hit him or anything. I said, it's him. So wait till I get there. And as he checked me into my room, I shit you not, it was a baseball theme room so I had our baseball bats all over I mean Paul but even though I was heartbroken we couldn't help but laugh because Brian's on stage at this point still not seeing him and I've walked in it's like a a, it was a a baseball theme it was like the hotel people knew what I was going to (laughs) do they were helping me they were like what a twat (laughs) you get him Kerry and it and for me obviously he wanted to save the marriage but I remember saying to him I'm so laid back. I love girls screaming at you. It was it's a turn on when someone's successful like that. And it was so nice to see. And I never wanted to know where he was or anything like that. We spoke all the time on the phone. I said, I'm gonna resent you because I'm gonna to wanna to know who you're with, who you're texting, where you got and that's not me. And I'm, I'm gonna hate and that basically what happened and he just ruined it in the end. And then he met Delta Gudra. Ah, Goodrum. yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I just knew. Do you know who she is? She's an no. Australian sweetheart. She was a neighbour. She's huge, and she's mm. absolutely dropped a god. I mean, I'd leave me for her too. <laughs> Honestly, when I met her, I think it was heartbreaking. There was a holding hands. I was devastated. I just, knew, but I knew. I just knew. I knew anyway. And that was that. But it wasn't meant to be because look, how all these kids have got now. Exactly. So did you have exactly. a big conversation with him? No, he rang me up and told me on the phone he wanted a divorce. Oh, he couldn't even face you then. No, I, I, see, me and Brian would speak about eleven times a day on the phone all the time, and I was filming a TV show in England called A Little Help for My Friends. Brian left Westlife, and when he was leaving, it was on Sky News, so they had a big press call. That's how big Westlife were, right? That I'm, I'm so like crying. It was huge. Like people wanted there were suicide lines, all kinds of shit. It's like when Robbie left, take that. that that's yeah, how big. That's news. how big they were. It was ridiculous. You know, and um, I remember him saying, I'm, I'm leaving, I want to spend more time with my wife and my kids. We dad, we got pregnant with Lily. Uh, I was like, I don't even know what I said, we married too let alone have another baby. If that's Lily, you met, thank God I kept her. Uh, yeah, and um, he was leaving my life to spend more time with his family. As soon as the press call was over, he went straight to the studio to record his single, his solo album. I never saw him really. Um, and then, yeah, then he met, he was doing a duet with Delta on it. And um, they always still deny it was an affair, but you, everyone knew, we all knew. How did you regroup from that? I just took loads of drugs. <laughs> Honestly, I, just, I think I came back over to England and Brian was my knight in shining armour. So I was still living in the council, my mum had a one bedroom council flat, rough as fuck, I'm not like heroin addicts, all kind of, it was really rough where I lived. All the way through Atomic Kitten, I could literally sleep in bed with my mum. Because uh, I had nowhere, and when I moved, when I met Brian, I got pregnant. That was it. I was moving to Ireland, so I bought me mum a terrace house. So he was my knight in shining armour. He got me away from my mum, and I love my mum. I love my mum to bits. Got me away from my mum. Got me away from all the drugs, and, and that was it. But then when I had to come back, he lied down with dogs, especially dirty ones. What are you gonna get? Fleas. Please. 
<laughs> exactly. That's what you're going to get. So rather than, and I'll never forget being in my mum's and the amount of paparazzi was outside my mum's house on like, it's like a coronation street. You know, the house is like round, not round here, but in Warrington, that's what, that's what it was like. And I just remember going, and my mum was like, oh my God, I can't handle this. And I was like, you're all right. So no one's like going, Kerry, you all right. And, and rather than grieving, I just, it, it was coke, just coke number. So is that the pattern throughout your life, whenever that goal of having that f ideal family is shattered, mm. you fall back on no. drugs? No. No. No? no, no, I've not touched drugs in 13 years. Brilliant. Yeah, 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 well so with, so it was Brian, That yeah. was, it wasn't yeah. Brian's fault, by no means the situation, it was how I handled it, mm. and the people you surround yourself with, that is how it happens. Yeah. One minute I was a teenager with a head full of hurt, next minute I'm 20, and I'm this. It's too late for me to use this product to get my hair back, but there's hope for you. Our sponsor, Manuals Treatments, are clinically proven, research-backed, and use the only medically approved treatments in the UK. So Manual can help stop hair loss today and improve hair growth. Manual is trusted by over 100,000 customers, all men. So nine out of 10 men see positive results. And they have a 180-day money-back guarantee, so it's risk-free. Check out these before and after pictures. Two out of three men will experience male pattern baldness by the age of 35. It got me at 20. For 50% off your first order, use the discount code SHAUN5010, S-H-A-U-N-5-0-1-0. It will also give you 10% off your second order. Delivered to your door, no need to visit a doctor, just enter your details online. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. Link will be in the description box on the YouTube version. I've never been addicted. Mm. Walking away from cocaine was very easy. Giving up cigarettes was fucking hard. I haven't got that for you. Yeah. Oh, I've, I, I've given them up like nearly three years now for me, just like that. But for me, it was, and then I met Mark Croft, who was my mum's drug dealer. So you met him, that was after Brian, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll yeah. never forget, the night before Mark proposed, I remember ringing Brian, crying my eyes, like going, please take me back, please, I love you so much, let's work it out. So you must have knew this was a big mistake coming. I, I, I No, it wasn't no, do with Mark, it was like, I was still madly in love with Brian. Yeah. And I was like, please, and he was like, no, I love Delta, that's it. And the next day, Mark turned up and proposed, so I just went, yeah. How long was that after? It was the day after. No, but how long are you Six weeks. Then? So three weeks, first one, mm -hmm. six weeks. Second one, three months. It gets longer and longer and longer, then Ryan took two years, so I must be getting worse in bed. So <laughs> it's an age thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Never. I'm joking, I've changed as a person. I've changed, I mean, I mean, I have mass, I mean, I, can't, I don't want no more kids. Even like, I love Ryan, I'll be with Ryan till the day I die, mm -hmm. but I don't, put him out in the industry, I don't throw him out as I did with the others. I was always trying to prove, oh, I've got this happy family, oh, I've got this, I've got that. It was all bullshit. Like, when Mark proposed, it was like, I just needed, I couldn't believe, I felt a failure as a wife, as a mother, and as a woman. And because Brian was rejecting me, it was like the rejection from a kid. I couldn't, it, it, and then when I met Mark, it was like, I just need to fix it. I need to be married again. I need, that, 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 that'll fix it all. I'll have another baby, I'll try it all again. And I did it again with George. And, and, that, and that has been the pattern, but I know that now. You know, it's different this time. So with Mark, he wasn't in the public eye. What was it, how did it differ from going, Brian, public eye, Mark, someone who's just a civilian? Honestly, I thought, 
Mark was punching and I thought he will love me so much because what I can provide for him, he'll never cheat on me like Brian did. That's honest to God what... I, but Mark made me laugh. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not going to say I didn't love him. I mean, it was like Mark should have just been a one-night fucking stand. That's all it should have been with Mark. Do you know what I mean? But I got I got Max and Heidi and I'm totally grateful. I don't even look at Mark as one of my husbands. I don't. It's really weird. Um, what it is with me, because of who I am, and when I met Mark, it was the same with George. I, I give him my power and they kind of take it away and took all my independence away from me that I then become so reliant on them. But I've realised that, like, it's different with me and Ryan now. It's like, I don't need Ryan, but I want him. Gee, does that make sense? That's nice. It's like, I'm all right on my own, but I love him, but I'm not relying on it's him nice to, to make me around. happy. No, but it was like, I always wanted somebody else to make me happy. I have to make me happy. I can't rely on anybody else for that. It has to be down to me. And that was a pattern that I kept doing. It, it took me to the age of 36 to when I broke up with George to realise all this. Because how long were you with Mark for? In total? Five years. Five years. Brian seven. Brian seven. Mark, Mark five, five. George six. George six. So what was life like with Mark? Obviously you had Heidi and Max. Just, Heidi and Max, it was just, it was fucking, it was horrible. It was just, it, I can't even talk about him because it makes me feel sick. Okay. It makes me feel like, oh my God, it, that was my worst time in my life ever. And, and George beat shit out of me. But mm. I will put at Mark as... He was there. It, it was just, it was bankruptcy. I was on medication. I was on that much medication, I couldn't even tie a fucking shoelace in the morning. And every time I go back into it prior, everyone's thinking it was drugs. It wasn't. It was trial and error. It was the right medication for me. Like, my speech would be slur. And I went on this morning. I, oh, was ridic- I was ridiculed. And it was like, oh, my God. I'll admit I shoved enough shit up my nose. It was pure bipolar medication. They shouldn't have let you on this morning. But there was nothing... When you say that, that annoys me because there was nothing wrong with me. It was just a side effect from my medication. Mm. That, that's all that was. My speech was slur. I didn't speak to anybody before I went on. And in my head, I was fine. And I was fine. It was just a, a side effect. Say you get a stomachache from, or you get the shits, or you get headaches from taking. Mine was because my dose was so high, it made your speech slur. In fact, I had a drug test, an alcoholic test, just to prove to everybody that's what it was. I even went for speech therapy, and she said you've got a lazy tongue. I said, well, I'll make a shit lesbian then. <laughs> But honestly, I went to all those lines to say, look, I've, I've got no reason to lie, but I was absolutely ridiculed. You need to stop smoking, young lady. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was exactly the same. And the reason why <coughs> I stopped, my mum smokes rollies, right? Uh, and I go, she doesn't anymore. She quit after a heart attack. And I was on a vape. And I go around my mum's and she coughs. I think, Ooh. oh my God, I just don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. And I was on Super King of Menthol. Ooh. Big fuck off cigarettes. They're like snooker keys. From from the age of fourteen, and I got up. It was New Year's twenty twenty. I had one left in my packet. I went to the back garden because that's how classy I am. I smoked it, flicked it, went. I'm done. I've not touched one since. Not even not even a puff of one. Wow. Three years in January. Just stop like that. I feel I feel like a superhero. I really really do. Yeah. To have, because it's like a little hijacker in your head, isn't it? Because for me, smoking was like. If you're having a photo shoot, I'm just going outside for a cigarette. Oh, I need a break. Or if I'm cleaning, oh, I'll go for a cigarette for a break. You know, and especially if you had something to eat. Mm, yeah. Straight after. Yeah, but no, stopped. 
Same with, same with Coke, it, it wasn't, it was just the people you're hanging out with. And that's why I moved down south for 12 years. I just fucked off and left it all behind. What did you learn about yourself in Arizona? I'm a fuck up. <laughs> what I learned about myself, I'm, I'm resilient. Mm. I am very resilient and it's not my fault. A lot, a lot of circumstances, I, my childhood wasn't my fault. You take a lot of blame. I think I'm, I know I'm resilient, I know I'm strong. Um, and I know I'm a good person. And I know I'm a fucking awesome mum. And I broke the cycle. Fucking hope so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was it to go to Arizona? My uh, management at the time. So I was with the same management as Ant and Deck. I was with James Graham. And I'll never forget, I was in the Priory because it, I was such a high profile case. I couldn't have group therapy because they couldn't. Pro the Priory couldn't promise me that another patient wouldn't go and sell my, that's how, I mean, I was on the front cover of the newspapers. What was it like, Jen? Manic. I don't, you don't, it was ridiculous. It was really, really bad. <laughs> um, so I had to, I couldn't have, they couldn't promise me that another, there's like, perhaps out the Priory and everything. So they shipped me off to America and I remember being in first class. The, the, the stewardess came and she said, what do you like it? I said, can I have a bottle of champagne, please? Said, you got anywhere nice? I went, yeah, rehab. And <laughs> 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 got off the plane like that, looking out. What was it like going in there, the, like the conditions and everything inside? I remember being absolutely heartbroken. I couldn't believe, because in my eyes, I always thought people go to rehab are like, I sorry to say dirty little smackheads. That's what I had in my head. That's what I thought that was all about. So the first four days, I'd done that much drugs. I was still and drink. I was the DTs, and I was so heartbroken. I felt so ashamed on my children. I just thought, I, I, how how have I got here? My kids are so young; they haven't got a clue. My kids have never witnessed anything. I sat my kids down and told them that mummy's done this, mummy's done that. There's a show coming out. You're gonna see it all. Been open and honest with all my kids. Even I talk about I'm so open about it in front of my eight year old. I'd rather them all know because they're gonna hear it off somebody else. And I remember crying so much and just thinking, I, I can't, I can't believe I've got here, and I've got six weeks to it, and I couldn't wait to get out. And then when it gets to the end, you don't want to go home. I thought, I'm, I'm scared about going home. I don't, because you're in a safe environment and I knew my mum was my problem. Like, my mum would ring up and she'd be off her head <laughs> for I am in rehab, you know, and leave it. It's a safe environment. And then when you go to leave, it's like, shit, how do I deal with the outside world now? What was the routine in there? It was co-ed as well. So it, it shocked me. I didn't realise how much money is in rehab. There was a judge in there. There's lawyers in there. There's so well to do. And I was blown away. I thought, fucking hell. I felt like the little scumbag. <laughs> so the, 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 so the, it, was, it, it was like sex addicts, gambling. There was stuff I didn't even know, codependency. I mean, it was like being in high school and going from one lesson to another lesson to another lesson. That was what it was like. And I loved it. And I'd go back tomorrow, you know. No, see, people think going to rehab is all about drugs, and it really isn't. It really, really isn't. There's so many. I mean, I'd go back there now just to reconnect with myself on a spiritual level. It, it's bigger than that. It really is, and I think the stigma around that, around rehabilitation centres, is wrong. Yes. And that's why I go do speeches in there and do talks and stuff because I think it's. I think it's amazing. I learned so much more about myself than just about the drugs. Do you know what I mean? Did For me, make... it wasn't the drugs. It was more of what was going on in my head. Did you make friends with people in there? 
yeah, loads. There's loads of people in there. They're all, they're all great. You, what I learned a lot, what I was so embarrassed about my situation, like you don't ever want to talk about it, but then when I started doing group therapy, that's where I flourished and that's where I got the most help from. Because hearing other people's stories makes you feel like you're not on your own. And that's why I'm so open and honest and I'll talk about anything and everything because there was nobody in the industry at the time talking about all that kind of stuff. So I had to get through it on my own. So I like to think that I'm some kind of, I'd like to be some kind of beacon of hope for other people that if car crash, kebab eating, Katona can get through it, anybody can. When, when you got out, how hard was it to maintain discipline? Really fucking hard. What because, was the first Because you straight back where you left off. Mm. That's why I had to move and leave. I mean, I only moved back here in June. And I'm a different person. And I've struggled, not with the drugs, I've struggled with PTSD. Like, my anxiety since I've moved back up. So I had to eventually move. Like, when I first came out, it was really difficult. Like, mates wanting to go out. We went karaoke and I'm drinking fucking herbal tea. It was really, really difficult. Six weeks I lasted. And was there a lot of peer pressure? Only from my mum. Like I say, six weeks clean, and my mum just went, I've already one of them. And Mark Croft walked in back, because he was a taxi driver, and you sell these drugs from his taxi. And that's how I met Mark Croft. Mm. And that's how I got two amazing kids. Positive. Got to look at the other side. What so. was it that made you kick it all completely? Boot camp for me. It was a boot, I had an affair behind my spark, best thing I ever did. Um, you know, it really was, I'm mm. the most loyal person in the world. Like, Mark was cheating left, right and centre. There was videos of him with his hands down, girls' knickers. Why I'm filming the Iceland adverts. No one would let me see the newspaper. I had to do a 16-hour day of going, that's why mums go to Iceland. <laughs> Prom ring, one pound. Knowing that this story was all in the papers, all on the front page. There was nothing I could do. And... Um, I ended up going into bankruptcy. Mark had had me off and my accountant stole my money. So I was a millionaire. I had Porsches, Lamborghinis, Aston Martin. I was minted. My kids in private school. I had a tax bill for 82 grand or 86, which was pennies to me. I mean, Iceland was like nearly 400 grand a year. Then like, okay, magazine paid you 100 grand for a photo shoot. It was ridiculous back then. You don't get that kind of money now. Believe it now, I'm doing this for the kindness of my heart um, <laughs> and it was it, it was different back then and when I've gone pay this bill oh my money's gone and it was my accountant anyway no. yeah, so I went around kicked his door down no. punched him in the face threw coffee at him I got arrested got put in the cells oh, shit. been arrested three times not proud of it they put me in the cells and I remember sitting in the cells going I can't believe this is happening to me I can't I was like I can't believe that this shit is actually happening to me Anyway, he got raided. He found a box in his in his ceiling of company house, KK Media, KK Hayek, all this TSB, all in my name, and all my, my money just gone like that. Were you but able to get my, it back? I no, I lost everything. That's why I went into bankruptcy. Lost everything. He did time. He got he got like seven years or something. He refused to give the money. The money is gone. There's nothing I you can do about it. it gone. But I wasn't the only person. I was the only celebrity he did it to. But I was with banking with Coops. I was with the Queen's Bank. And I was on that much medication. Mark Croft, I go sign this cheque. It's a blank cheque that I'm signing. And I'm that off my head. And I remember Nick and Eva Speakman witnessed all this. You know the Speakmans? Yes. They witnessed all this. And Nick told me that he said to Mark Croft, what was all these blank checks for? He went, well, I'm putting it in a safety net because this fame bubble won't last for long. 
<gasps> I lost everything. Oh. And I I was living in a, a two million pound house that was my, I had my own house. I had a few houses, I had cars, my kids in private school. And I got offered to go to boot camp down south called GIJ and boot camp for Close Magazine for two weeks. See how much weight I've lost. It's like 20 grand they were paying me, needed the money. That's why I went. And it turned out to be so much more than that. I remember sitting with my mum. My mum used to have this tray. We used to this coke on tray anyway. My driver turned up. I took this line of coke. I sat there and I went, I don't want this life no more. There was no buzz in it for me anymore. I was just doing it for the sake of doing it. And Mark was cheating left, right, and said, and I just looked at him and said, I, I wanted to get out of my own skin. I said, I don't want this life anymore. I got in my car, went all the way down south to a sitting barn in Kent, and boot camp for two weeks, turned up off my head, medication, and the first week was really hard. And the second week, it was like going spec savers and putting glasses on and being able to see clear and like Mark Cross it. And I was like, exercise. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. It changed my life. It saved me. And plus, the PT was really cute. And <laughs> we had an affair. <laughs> but it wasn't that. That affair saved me. Because it was like, I'm sorry about his wife who got hurt. You know, he told me they wasn't together anymore. But that affair saved me because I fell in love with him. I was like, this is how, this is how you get. He's like, get up, eat healthily, do this. Whereas Matt's like, he's like, come on, let's get, you know what I mean? And I went home. I said to Mark, I've met somebody else, I'm leaving you. Anyway, it didn't work out with him, but I packed my bag up, my car up, I got new management, I said to the kids, we're going on an adventure, let's go. I drove from Wimslow in the middle of the night so the press couldn't find me, to Godston. And that was just and so that nice. just never touched a drug since. Wow. Just changed my life. What? That's brilliant. I say drugs, I still drank and had cigarettes. Yeah. And prescription medication. So were things quiet for a while? They've never been fucking quiet. <laughs> ever. Are you joking? So you moved to Surrey, yeah, to Surrey or Pats, in fucking bushes. I'm like, I'll be fine. <laughs> Bleeding hell. Because then I was single, it's another high profile divorce. You get pictures standing next to a bloke. They also have to think you're shagging each other. By the way, are you two shagging each other? Co-host. 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 He's co-host because I can feel something. I can feel something like... I'm going red now. Are you going red? I've got a bit of Can you feel that, Liam? It's a bit of I don't know why. I've just picked up on that. She's getting stitches, Liam. I feel something. Something. Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it there. Yeah, yeah. No, he's on the two Moving on. He's on the two I've been arrested three times. So Mark Croft, when I was with Mark, he cheated on me. So he was doing it left, right and centre. And I really kicked him out this time. And I remember this guy coming around going, I've got, I've got evidence. I've got this piece of paper that proves to you that it was a set-up with Mark. He said, but I've put a line of coke for you in the bathroom. My kids were in the garden on a trampoline. I said, I don't want a line of coke. I want this piece of paper. He said, I'll give it you when you have that line of coke. I'm not blaming anybody. I shouldn't have took it anyway. And I went in the bathroom and someone just felt really off and I took the line of coke. And he secretly put a, like a camera in the thing, and this piece, piece of paper was all Mark Cross handwriting. Got completely set up. Yeah, I lost no. everything. My Iceland contract, which is fair enough, like. Oh. And I thought the amount of coke I took in one night, and I got done for one line. Mm. <laughs> Take us through that losing everything. How did it get exposed and put online? The News of World. The News of World had it. I was on that front cover of that newspaper nearly enough every week. No. But they helped me as well. 
Yeah, so that was... They hacked you, did you yeah. say? Remember there was a hacking scandal? Yeah, without parents of the dead kid and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah there's another thing going on, I can't talk about it, but yeah, they, they hacked me big time. Ruthless. So, yeah, so they completely... Mm. It was it was entrapment, complete entrapment. I was like, I don't want to touch coke in about two months at this point. It was What it was with me with coke was you go on a bender and you just don't know when to stop. That's what it was with me. But then it turned to a point that coke was my only friend. I had paparazzi sat outside my house all the time. My husband was a drug dealer. I fell out, my mum my mum sold a story on me. So I wasn't talking to her. And it, it was all I had. It became a best friend. So these contracts then, is it automatic if you relapse, bam, contract is gone? What do you mean relapse? Like if you do something like... I, if you I get in the papers for doing drugs, they're not exactly gonna... I don't what know do you because I, you know what? I, 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 let me tell, let, let me tell you something. So I know when my husband died, yeah. my my DJ's daddy died. I went to my doctor and asked for help to be put back on antidepressants, and I told publicly I'm back on antidepressants. And my manager turned around and said to me at the time, "You're not going to get work because you've been too open about being on." I said, "So would you prefer me to go and got off my head and gone back to drugs? Because that's not what I did." All, I, I went the right way. It's all fake, yeah. isn't it? So, but then these people in the industry who do that, and they're still fucking working, but back in the day when I did it, I lost everything. I couldn't think of anything worse. I couldn't think of anything worse sat there listening to birds tweet. Could mm. you counter sue the news of the world for the loss of the earnings? Yeah, I did see them. Was it successful? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the middle of one now at the minute, but I can't talk about it on camera. Right. Good. Right. Yeah. So what were the other two arrests? Fucking hell. Um, first one was for beating up my foster sister um, when I was famous. She came up to me in a nightclub and said that your kids deserve to be in a foster home. I just went, fuck off. I butted up her on the floor and then tried to deny it. And then they got the CCTV camera footage. Plain as day. Yeah, it wasn't very good. I thought, fucking hell, I like a fucking, what's the word? Tasmanian devils. I'm the most. Na- I hate confrontation. But you mention my kids, and I will fucking rip your head off, and I'll shit down your fucking neck. Watch me, honestly. Any, and I'm an, I'm the most laid back person in the world. And the second rest was David McHugh, my accountant. I mm. punched him in the face and kicked him, poured hot coffee all over him, because it wasn't my money. That was my kids' future. Mm. That belonged to them. I came from fucking nothing, and I've gone through hell with all these newspapers to make sure my kids go to private school. And the third rest was over the cocaine video. I could have been fucking talking powder out. I think the newspaper set that up. Like they came, the police came to my house to arrest me because there was a video of me snorting coke. That could have been a publicity stunt. But I think it was, I don't know, it was like, how can you, how, you don't know I was doing coke. Did you have to go no. to court for that? No, they just, I've never been charged with NFA. anything. But I've been arrested. Yeah. And put in cells a few times. They're not fun. Oh, it was not too bad, been in worse. <laughs> <laughs> Jen's been arrested 11 times. 11? Yeah. I'm a little fucker. Oh. It, was, it was my teenage years, I was but rebellious. I, I'll never forget the first time I got arrested, right? Like, <laughs> honestly, and I couldn't stop laughing because I'm sat there and I was so nervous. And like, you've got the right. So they kept ringing saying, look, if you don't hand yourself in, we're going to come and arrest you. And I've got paps following me everywhere. So it was Mark Croft who's after having this fight with me. Mate, my foster sister. So I've took myself into the police station and they sat me down in this room and they go, You've got the right, I'm all by myself, I've got the right to remain silent. So I just like, 
Wait, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you saying these words. I just couldn't believe I was getting arrested. Yeah. And I thought it was just a funny. It isn't funny, people. It's not big. It's not clever. <laughs> Honestly, it isn't. If any of my kids got arrested, I'd batter them. <laughs> I really wouldn't. But I was just, I just cut. I was like, because I was thinking about all things in my life. And I thought, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And then when Dave McHugh stole my money, he, Google it, it's all in papers. People thought I shut them, I, I snorted my money away, I spent it on cars. I could, have, I could afford to do all the drugs I wanted. I could afford to buy other cars. He stole my fucking money. Um, and then I've got put in the cells because he stole my money. I remember sitting there on this fucking bed. He took my shoelaces off me, my chains off me, in of case I tried to kill myself or something. I remember sitting there laughing and then crying and going <laughs> I can't believe it <laughs> I can't believe it I never forget to sergeant say can I just make a phone call please and I rang home and our Molly answered phone she went where are you mum I said I'm just doing some Christmas shopping oh. I might stay out tonight it was fucking September <laughs> organised <laughs> I'm being organised love but um, yeah I have no I, I mean I'd now I live the most boring, it's not boring, my kids bring me so much, my kids bring me drama now, there's no drama in my life, there's actually no drama in my life. There's nothing wrong with a mundane life. It's peaceful. I love peaceful. it, because yeah, I've got such bad anxiety, I think when George died and then Angela died, I've got a really bad fear of death. Because we're going to get to George in a minute, you'll okay. say, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you meet him? I've known George since I was 14. So first time George asked me to marry him, I was 70, it's like, fuck off. Um, and we've just known each other over the years. And then I was single, bumped into him, he just got out of prison, I thought, you'll do. What was he in prison for? Uh, kidnap and torture, and fraud, and I was like, that's right of me. Right yeah. yeah, and it really was, that's how I, and now I can't, like if I'd have met Ryan 10 years ago, I'd have gone, you're boring, I'm not interested. No, I, I wouldn't have gone. See, I had a choice between Mark and this other lad called Dave. Dave's my Ryan now. And because Mark was a drug dealer and a bit of a naughty boy, that's I couldn't think of anything worse. But because how George was, and he was drop-dead gorgeous, and th that that was... It, we always had kind of fancied each other and nothing ever happened since we were kids. And, and it happened, yeah. So you bumped into each other, mm -hmm. went from there. Yeah. How long before the engagement on this one? I think it was about three months. Three months, something like that. George came to my house in uh, Guildford and never fucking left. <laughs> I used to live there, Guildford. Yeah, I used to live in Cranley. Yeah. I live in Guildford. Cranley. Is it Cranley? No, I used to live Nightingale Road by Stoke, Stoke Park. It is Cranley in Guildford, isn't it? Cranley. Cranley's yeah. next town over. Yeah, but it's yeah, the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And he was just like, I was like, right, he just never left. And I knew what he was like, but it's almost like that's what I wanted. I wanted to be treated like that. And I was like, where have you been? Not seen for years. Oh, you know, just been on my holidays. Meaning jail. You did mm. six years. <laughs> I mean, you cut people's toes off with pliers. Sounds well, like we need to get him on the podcast, doesn't it? He's dead. <laughs> oh. Right, that's that. Not that bit, sorry. Yeah, I know you could, but you're not that good. <laughs> you, won't, you won't get him back. But then again, I won't be surprised. Ain't that right, George? <laughs> So what was life like with him? He moved um, into your house in Cranley. I remember the first... I don't want to go into much detail because it's all in my book. It was okay, awful, well, yeah. No, George, George, um, George was a bad one. He, he beat me up a lot, blacked my eyes. 
Um, very, very controlling. I was very, very scared. And like, I'd be on my hands and he's apologizing to him, even though I've done nothing wrong. I remember him covering up my bruises once and my mum was there. And my mum went, what then from? I was just rough sex, mum, and it wasn't. Um, yeah, he mm. was, he was, and then he, he, he come in the house. I could tell he'd done coke, because I've been there and done that. Well, you're off your head, you aren't you? And then he'd have psychosis. And it's the most horrendous thing to be around, and it's so fucking scary. There's nothing you can do. And he had a knife, he had a taser gun, and when he had this psychosis, like, I got all the kids out of the house. Oh, it was horrible. Um, I've just done it all in the book. Yeah. And it's probably triggered me. Like, it really, really badly triggered me. It was, um... George wasn't meant for this world. He wasn't meant for this world. He, he, he did, he played with black magic and all kinds of things. But I loved him. I loved it. I loved George so much. I really did. Loved him. Loved. He was like my best mate. Like I've really been myself with George. Do you know what I mean? I would say more than Brian. Because mm. everyone always looks at Brian as a love him life, and he wasn't. Brian wasn't loving me life. He was. Okay. He, I think. I think George was in there somewhere. Because were you with him when he died? No, I hadn't seen him in a year because I had a restraining order against him. But I am a widow. We are married. So, how long were you with George? Six years. Six years. But I hadn't seen him for the last last year. I had a restraining order on him. So you left one day. You woke I, up. It took me. I, I, my Molly gave me a look of pure weakness, and she left and moved to Ireland with her nan and granddad when she was sixteen. She just wanted to get away from him, and that for me was like, I'm I'm doing no different than what my mum did. They never witnessed anything, but they heard it and they saw the cover the cover mm. up. Um. And I thought I'm no different, and that's something I have to try and forgive myself for. You know, the kids go upstairs, just go upstairs, upstairs, go upstairs. You know that kind of thing, and that is some. And then I've got DJ with George. George was on the serve to give me DJ, mm. and I, I, and oh god, I can't. Still angry at him for leaving DJ. Cause she's ace. She's a little shit really, but <laughs> yeah. I never wanted him to die the way he did. Are you able to tell Sean how he died? Drug overdose. Oh. By himself. Asking for friends in a hotel. And and what I don't understand is they had a um, What's it called? An inquiry, an inquest. And why the papers had to print word for word. Like, DJ's gonna grow up one day reading that and that just kills me. But I will stand on George's grave and stand by him not seeing his little girl and me handing her over. I stand by that today. Because he was so unstable, he would have done something to her and him just to hurt me. And I will stand on his grave to this day and know I've done the right thing. But you do have that. I mean, I went. I mean, I didn't go to the funeral. I went to chapel at rest to see him. I was so angry at him. And that man in there held me while I cried over my dead husband. I was there for the kids. You know what I mean? Can't get a more beautiful soul than that. But me no rush to get married. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely ring. Yeah. Which one? Oh, this. 
Oh, that ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nicest one I've had so far. <laughs> and he bought it all by himself. Oh, well oh. done. Yeah. No, well, that was, so it was really, I mean, having to tell DJ at age of five, fucking hell. Like, even now she gets a bit, do me to stop while you unzip your thing, Liam? <laughs> Do you need a battery or something? No, that sounded dodgy. Why you unzip your thing? <laughs> <laughs> Get it out on camera, love. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Here's a word from our sponsor, Rocket Money, formerly Truebill. If you're missing your credit card payments or you need to make a budget, you need our favourite financial app, Rocket Money, formerly Truebill. So why did Truebill change its name to Rocket Money? I'll tell you what I heard. Truebill, now backed by Rocket Companies, has grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, cancelling subscriptions and more, saving each of their members on average $700 a year. And with all that growth comes the next evolution in Truebill's story, a new name. Bottom line, Rocket Money is everything I've loved about Truebill, but with a fresh look and feel. Start cancelling your unused subscriptions and save money at rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. That's rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Or download the app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Thank you for supporting our sponsor, Rocket Money. Link will be in the description box if you're watching on YouTube. Was that the lowest, one of the lowest moments of your life then? No. I think my lowest moment of my life was when I was doing coke with Mark. I took that much, I wanted to die. But I didn't have the guts to hurt myself that I did that much coke that I'd have a fit. And what was going through your head to push you to that point? Well, I was in the papers so badly that I thought my kids are better off without me. Mm. And I actually had a fit and died. And I remember Mark trying to bring me back and I remember that it was the most beautiful feeling. I was surrounded by angels. I'll never forget it, that I tried to do it again, just to get that feeling of that pure love. Wow. Yeah. I still think we should do a Netflix series in my life. <laughs> I honestly, honestly, honestly would love to do a series of a pure drama because Steven Spielberg couldn't write this shit. <laughs> he really couldn't. <laughs> I mean, there's no drama now in my life, which is amazing. I mean, I'm... is that how you're able to step away and sort of write your books? Doing this third book has been so fucking difficult because there's so much fear there with George as well. He scares the shit out of me. Even now when he's not here, it's like proper PTSD. Like when I'm, I'm, it's still so, it's only been three years. It's still so really raw. And you'll read it in the book. It was, it's so awful. That it, it scares me still. Well, the times you had to stop writing because yeah, it was I, too I didn't think I, didn't think, I it. did not think I was going to be able to finish it. I even said, I'm, I'm also in the middle of having, I'm being from one of the. I can't go into it. I can't go on cameras. Another anyway. So I'm having to go through that and do, George, and it was it's all, and then move back up north where I was, 
with Mark Croft doing loads of drugs and going into bankruptcy and all the paparazzi. So I've been triggered and I got held hostage in Wimslow by three masked men. What? One, I do you remember that one? It's all over the news. One had a sledgehammer, Butch stuck at a carving Hold knife. on a minute. How did that? Where right. were you? Where were you? Set this up. <laughs> you like having short days? It's so great, <laughs> isn't it? So refreshing. So it was in Wimslow. I used to live in Wimslow. And um, I was in the cinema room. And I was with Mark, and next thing you know, these three blokes walked in with balaclavas. One had a butcher's hook, one had a sledgehammer, another one had a carving knife from my kitchen. It was in your house? Yeah, and they held us in there all night. And they marched. I mean, I, I, I actually thought, I am going, I had a fear of knives anyway, because my mum's fella stabbed her. And I pulled the knife out, and then he wanted to cut our tits and find it. So I, I was in, so I had this, so I'm thinking, no, no one can go through this twice in their life and survive. I'm going to die. And I think Heidi's only like five weeks old. I've got her in my arms. And luckily enough, Molly and Lily was in Ireland. Uh, so it was just me, Mark and Heidi. And I'm thinking, nah, I, no one can survive this twice. That's it, I'm, I'm, I'm dead. I'm, they're gonna kill me now. Anyway, they marched Mark around the house. What were their accents like? They're from Manchester, Manchester like, yeah, accent. Yeah. yeah. Um, they took our Rolexes. They took the cars, and then they were that fucking thick. One of them had a one. Of, I had a, I had a check there for fifty grand in my name to me. He went, I'll tell and cash that. It's in my name, no bed. <laughs> and one of them called me Keller, and I, I got a bit balls there, and I was like Keller, and they made me take me jumper off. So I just had my bra on, so I didn't have any phones on me, and then they locked me in the downstairs, so I had a bar. A pool table in the cinema room, down the spiral stairs in the basement, and then they locked us both in the bathroom and put the pool table. Fair play to them, they gave me blankets, nappies, and formula. That's good of them. Very lovely of them, isn't it? Mm. And then they put the pool table in front of the thing, so we. And that's it. I'm in shock there. I thought they're going to burn the house down. That's it. I'm, I'm, I've literally lost it. I've literally thought, I, I, no one can go through this twice. And survive, mm. you know, and um, and I think it had something to do with Mark Croft himself. Inside job, mm. definitely. Yeah. How did you get released point, from the room? Mark pushed it, pushed the door with a pill table. He just really pushed it open, and then we rang the police. And then I went to stay with my stepdad, and I couldn't go back to the house. And because it triggered so many memories, I ended up back in the Priory. But the newspapers like she didn't Priory on drugs. It's like I was there for therapy. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah, and I've not settled since been up north. That's why we're moving to Spain. So you, you, you're going to move from here in, over to Spain. Whereabouts? Yeah. You don't have to say the exact location. Oh, I want to, <laughs> I want to reset a Sapona nice. in Marbella. Yeah, yeah. So we moved back up here in June. So for me, it was like... Me mum was... So when I was down south and my mum's up here, it's great on the phone. You know, oh, Kerry, if you lived up here more, I'd be able to see you more, and blah, blah. And I always want me more when I'm not well or something like that. It didn't turn out. I mean, my mum's been here once. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so we moved, we moved to Audley Edge on Brook Lane, and I was doing Panto in Oldham at my SVR. I had Heidi and DJ with me, and I went to JD Sports. It was Christmas. And as I was like, walking out JD Sports, I looked at my SVR, and I was like, why are my lights on? The brake lights on the car? Who's riding my car? I saw it drive. I went, they're fucking stealing my car. So I'm running after my car at this real tail park. I've left Heidi and DJ screaming, crying. 
And then as I'm running, I'm pissing myself because I've had five kids. I thought, I'm going to fall over and put a little piss in a minute. And then I thought, oh my God, my kids. I'm thinking, what if they try and kidnap my kids? So I've gone back and, he, and then 11 days later, they got the fob that was in my car and my address off the sat-nav, came to my house, got through the electric gates and took the other car. And, each, and then that's why I moved here. It's, oh, it, I'm, I'm, like last night we got back from London, I'm laying in bed, I'm like, what's that noise? I'm just, I've, I've, got, P, I'm full, I've got PTSD and my anxiety's through the roof. I mean, I went back to my doctors for it, and they thought my medication, like, but I'd never go back to doing drugs or anything like that. No. I'm surprised. Do you feel constantly under threat? That I'm message? constantly on edge, yeah. And because of my, because I watched my car get stolen, so you see my car outside, the big green one, like, if I go and park it somewhere, if I don't see my car as soon as I'm leaving, the rush of anxiety of panic that it's been stolen mm. is just awful. Have you tried yoga, meditation? I do yoga, do meditation, do it all. Yeah. Oh, yes. Has that helped? No. no. <laughs> I actually mm. want to go and do ayahuasca. Ooh. Oh. So we actually did mushrooms. We went to Marbella. I did recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just, <clears throat> yeah, we just did it, me and Ryan. We went to, um, not in a drug way, not in a trippy way. No. So we're in Marbella with the children. The kids went out for the day and we had these two professionals come over who I want to go to at Iowa. I just listened to Will Smith's autobiography. Have you heard it? No. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> and he's done Iowa 14 times. So I'm um, a massive fan. Have you watched that Netflix, How to Change Your Mind? Yes. Fucking brilliant. I watched it back to back to back. I think I need to do that MDMA. MDMA? Is that what it's called? MDMA was my thing, yeah. For the are they PTSD, yes. Um, I even got in touch with the, the. I'm I'm a massive spiritual person. I believe in a higher power. I believe in visualization, manifestation. Um, I've got vision board. Think and grow rich. The secret. I'm into all that. So we went to Marbella, sent the kids out for the day, and we had Colin, Colin and Ariana come round, and they set it all up, and we took the mushrooms, and we did a. It's called breath work. Yes. <gasps> yes cried my eyes out and Ryan was crying mm -hmm. his eyes out and it was just amazing. Did it feel like a massive release? It was, uh, oh, it was just, I can't explain. It's amazing what us as humans don't realise what we can do with our own breath. Totally. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I believe in the fucking government. I just don't want us to have that free conscious mind. I'm a massive conspiracy theorist person. <laughs> but I believe in all that. When I watched that show, I watched it back to back. I got up at five o'clock. I watched How to Change Your Mind. I watched all four episodes. Because I'm like, yeah, I get it. And this is all from the, I'm not telling anyone to get drugs. Do it all professionally in that way. But I'm a massive believer in all that. I really am. Do you not think? Yes, 100%. Yeah, we got our, our YouTube channel in trouble because we interviewed David Icke. Oh my God, I love David Icke. I love David Icke. And let me tell you who got me into all that. George. Really? See, it didn't work for him, but it worked for me. I put it well into practice. I did my letter to the universe. I had my vision board. But George expected it to land in his lap for do nothing. I'm a fucking grafter. And you just got to believe that the universe is going to... And you all might think I'm fucked up, but I'm telling you now... He's even saying no, he agrees. I'm telling you now, look what I've achieved. It, from the age of 36, I started listening to David Icke, who I think is absolutely amazing. So much that I'd love to meet him. Please let me meet David Icke. Can we arrange that? Me and David Icke have our own, <laughs> David Icke have our own TV show. It'd be fucking brilliant. <laughs> so it was actually George who got me into a hub, but it, I put it all into practice. and. I, Ryan's the same, and that's how we believe we met each other. Oh, can you give <coughs> Jen some <coughs> advice about OnlyFans? 
Yes. Do it. What? What? Men! Men! He said... Men! Let me explain OnlyFans. Obviously, a lot of people do a lot of over-18 stuff, but that is not what it's just about. You could do your podcast on there, but people have to subscribe to it. Yeah. That, that's all it is. But I get my tits out. I get quicker money. It's maybe a millionaire. Do you know what I mean? I'm only using what... If I went on a beach with my kids building Sandcastle, I'll have my tits out because I don't want tan marks. And the pap will get a picture and they get the money. So why should I not do it and control it? 100%. And everyone's like, oh, you're so desperate. Yeah, you're more than happy to watch Love Actually every fucking year. And there's two body doubles in it. Martin Freeman and the girl from Gavin and Stacey. Simulating sex. Naked. Why is that okay? But I get a show bit of nipple and I'm desperate. I'm doing nothing different than what Angelina Jolie's done. Or what Julie Roberts done. I... Natalie Portman in Black Swan is fingering herself and masturbating, simulating sex. I don't do that, but she wins awards and it's called fucking art. <laughs> True. I, I don't get it. Do you no, know what I mean? She was saying earlier, selfies is the way forward. Uh, yeah. Don't do... Love cake, whatever. Don't... All this fucking airbrushing. You go on Pornhub, men like a MILF. Young lads like a MILF, don't they? I am a MILF. I am a MILF. I'm not... I, I know what to sell. And it's like, you, you'll, you know, your best mate, some thinks, oh, she's a milf. That's what, that's what men fantasise about. So when you start airbrushing this shit, they don't want that. Because when they go on these, you know, porn sites, they're not fucking airbrushed, no. are they? So it, it's fake and false if you do know the airbrushing. Because I was nervous about it. I was thinking, oh, because I've Any shape or size, it doesn't matter. Get yourself on there. Yeah. And they love feet pictures as well. Put, put in the comments for this video, should Jen do an OnlyFans? Yeah. We want to know. <laughs> Liam's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Why not say not to mine? <laughs> how's, how's your feet, Jen? You got oh, small? I know. Oh, you're sad four, six, seven, aren't you? <laughs> I've got nice feet? little feet. So you've got dainty feet. I'm a size seven. I'm, so a, I'm only a no, six. No, don't do that with you. Don't you do get your oh, I've, got, I've got nice little feet. I've only got seven. Oh, that's tiny. The tiny, I have got little feet. But yeah, for me, it's like I started off as a page three model. You know, a lot of it is in the messaging. You know, it is a, a full on job to be doing all the messaging. Some, and there's women on there, there's men on there. It's, you know, it's an over 18 site, really. It's like a, a, an Instagram book for 18. But it's not, you could it's put, like rather than put this on your YouTube, you could put this on OnlyFans and charge a subscription. Exactly, you're not monetizing. Because that's what I'm going to be doing with OnlyFans. I'm planning on doing a podcast with OnlyFans about mental health, about what, that's what I want. But you subscribe to it rather than doing it on YouTube. Makes sense. Makes sense. Exactly. Don't be fucking taking my idea, you. <laughs> and launching Jen. He's coming to me out, you're not nicking me thoughts. <laughs> do you know, honest question, do you, do you have people do your messages for you? Because I don't no. think I could handle that. No. No, I control it all myself. How oh, can you handle all those messages? I can't get through them all. It's late night. It's, it's late night. A lot of sat up. It, a lot. A lot. It, it, it's really hard. I won't trust anybody else to do it. I really wouldn't. It's sitting up in bed late at night and early in the morning. And respond, try and respond to as many as, as possible. As many as I possibly can. If at not, late, late at night, they better the payers because they're. Um, I tell you where I made most of my money in lockdown. I bet everyone at home. Mm. Even though, yeah, that, that's. I mean, let's have another lockdown. <laughs> I'm not joking. 
Oh, video <laughs> views went through the roof. Through like what? Oh, video yeah, views. Yeah, because yeah, that, that's Everyone's where watching, I'm that, yeah. I mean, at first when I started doing it, I was like, oh my God, I felt sick. And then... So the whole stigma around it um, of being sort of poor. But because I've but, owned it, I'm owning what I do. What I'm not doing anything different that women or actresses have done for years. I'm not fingering myself. I'm, I'm going topless and doing sexy pictures. Yet you're more than happy. You get all these high-class, highbrow people who'll go watch a film, you know, and there's a sex scene in it. Oh, that's beautiful. Let's give her an Oscar. That's great art. I get my nipple out and I'm desperate. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry, but am I not right in what I'm saying? 100%. 100%. And the link's for my OnlyFans will be in the description. Hang on, my link. <laughs> <laughs> How many viewers? Kerry Katona, only fans, get on there. It's dead good. I might finger myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've had Alex Reed on a few times. Oh, and we he's love really that. charismatic. Yeah. I've never met. I think met once. His yeah. ex has done quite well on OnlyFans. Hasn't yeah. she? Katie, not as well as me. Not no. really. really. No, is that, is that what so. built up? Back to the million from from the loss. Me, with, yeah. yeah. Only fans only a million. So is she your competitor wow. on that? Is she? Uh, I don't think there's any competition. Uh, no, I love Kate. Wish her all the best on You're it. Very so. different. Very but close. I I was one who got Kate to do it. Oh, was you? I I said Kate, do it. Let me help you do it. Uh, but she went a different route anyway, which was really annoying. But yeah, I wish her all the best on it. I course, really do, yeah. I wish anybody, I wish any woman, I think we should all be lifting each other up and supporting each other. There's enough out there for us all. Don't compete yourself, so don't compare yourself. Be unique, be your own person, but support everybody except that prick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a winch, huh? yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like stop using people's name and be your own person. A hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? It's be be original, be artistic, not artistic, authentic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, be be real. So, how did you meet Ryan? Let's let's keep on the Bumble. Bumble. Met on Bumble. Yeah. So I broke up with George. Um, had a leg over for two inches. And I just thought I need to be on my own. And that is when I really got into my podcast for self-help when I started listening to Les Brown, Bob Proctor, Lisa oh, Nichols. I, I cried when he died. Mm. Lisa Nichols, Oprah Winfrey. I, that I really started, I really needed And the thought of being in a relationship scared the shit out of me. I thought I just need to be on my own with my kids. I was on my own for about a year. And my mate, Danielle, Danielle Brown, no Danielle, she was like, you need to go on a date. I said, I don't want to just go on. Because I was dead lonely down. So I had no friends because George isolated me anyway. Um, I had this restraining order in place. Um, it, was, it was horrible. It was vile. I did the right thing. And I know I did. And um, she was like, just go out on a date just, just for socialising. So I went on Bumble and met Ryan. I swear, so he's got really nice eyes, he has. And he's, it, 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 it was a slow burner with Ryan, because he's eight years younger than me as well. And he's very, very quiet, very sensible, very safe, very nice, completely not my type. <laughs> and it took me a long time to get used to being treated well that, and then I got really scared. I went, no, I can't be with you. No, I need to be on my own. And that lasted four days. And even, even up until when our Angela died, this is three years after, I'm still getting used to being in a, a, how a relationship should be. Like, I won't be able to go to work. Like, if George was alive, he'd be sat here. I couldn't go anywhere on my own. Do you know what I mean? Like, now, we spent all holiday. We went to Barbay for two weeks. Then we went with Ampika and Dave down south. And now I can't wait to go to London, get away for a couple of days on my own, <laughs> go to work. Is that Ampika off? Yeah. 
Of, uh, what was it? Footballers. Housewives. Housewives. Ampika Twitter. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. One of my best. I love Ampika Twitter. Oh, she seems wild. Oh, no, she's lovely, Ampika. Yeah. I'm seeing her tomorrow night, actually. So I went to spend oh, the weekend with her and her fella, which was really nice. Went to West Ham Football, which was really lovely. Um, but we, Ryan's just the nicest, beautiful soul you'll ever meet. He lives in that office. He's a, he's a loner. He's a lone wolf, Ryan. I'm the centre of his universe and so are the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't go out with anybody. Like, it was nice for me and Ryan to go out with a couple at the weekend because we, we don't do it. Mm. You two should be a couple, right? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going to a yoga. We're going to a yoga rave, aren't what, we? What, a sex soon? yoga rave? Right, <laughs> 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 yoga rave. You know what? I really want Cheers, to go man. to the torture gardens in What's London. What's that? I've heard of it. Google it. You know what? Was the yoga rave? Where are you? Oh, right. So. We start out chanting you know, the mantras. And you're on the floor. And there's the good musicians. And everyone sat around. Where, where are you two bills and bills and bills and bills. And oh, bills. Until yeah. everyone starts jumping up. up. Everyone just starts jumping up. doing Harry, going in. Like Harry Krishna. Harry Krishna. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I have Mental? to go. I've never had to come. I know I've never been a rave. Oh, come with us. I'll oh. tell you what, the closest thing I've ever done is Blaze Club mm. at David Lloyd. Oh, and, Blaze. And Blaze? Yeah, you've done it. I got Jenny to Blaze. Isn't he so good? Yeah, and yeah. they've got the saxophone and the DJ and the drums. You're like, yeah, yeah. I should have worn a fucking sports bra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kept sending Jenny's videos. I'm in Blaze Club. Oh, my God, yeah. it's so much fun. Punch in the bag. Without Punch any bag. drugs. It's Blaze when I'm 40. Oh. Can you imagine how much money you're saved? <laughs> then you started coming, didn't you? I love it. It's yeah. great. It's, it's absolutely... Sprinting. Um, I think that that's another thing, like, with doctors and things. I've gone to my doctor because I know I need help with my anxiety. But there's one thing with certain doctors, just throw pills out to you. They don't say about exercise. Because that's what saved my life. Exercise, yeah. yeah, we've got our own... Um, Fitness page now, but I, because I've moved up north, since moved up north, I've literally not trained, I've been triggered, I've got PTSD, my anxiety's through the roof, and we're saving to, like, buy a big house, and I'm like, why are we buying here? Because of my job, I do, like, cesspat lunch once a week on Channel 4, which is in Leeds, they send me a chauffeur-driven car, which is more expensive than me getting a 69 flight from Malaga, do you see what I mean? And then when I do TV shows, apart from things like this, I'm not, I live out my, I live out this fucking suitcase. I'm not even at home. Yeah. I did a TV show called Celebrity Cooking School. It comes out in September. I was gone for two weeks. I'm not even here. So it's like, well, pay for me flight and I can go, it doesn't matter where I am. I've got so my own. anywhere in the my world. My boutique's online. Kerry's Boutique, all my clothes, that's online. OnlyFans is online. I've got my fitness online. We've got our dating app that's online. So it doesn't really matter where I am. What's your dating app? It's called Marnie. We've got to relaunch that. It's got a bit quiet in the mood because we've got something going on with it. But because we met on a dating app. See, the next thing I want to do is I want to bring out sex toys. Oh, my friend does that in Bristol. Yeah. She's got the uh, suction dildo there. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that, 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 that's the next thing. That's the next business venture we want to go into sex toys because it's where money is. Yeah. Mm. Sex sells. Yeah, it does. Death, sex, fitness. We've interviewed a few top matrixes. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah they're three wicked. or four. Oh, have they? Yeah. I, I've met, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, some of those stories. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I learned a few new words like pegging and. We, we, we oh, released what? my friend's book. What's um, pegging? Tell me what pegging is. It's when you put on a strap on and fuck a man. Mm. So a man, gets, a man gets that's why, but it's, it's... I can't tell you two because you know them. 
No, not who you're thinking, but we have spoke about them today. But yeah. What about that other thing with this squash? Pancaking. Pancaking when you squash your balls, you get a device. Platinum. Completely platinum. Yeah. It's called pancaking. What do you get out of that? Oh! That's making me pancake they, myself. They took me to a dungeon in, in Reading, was it? Hung me upside down and started electrocuting I shot him electrocuting him. On camera? No <laughs> way! Oh my God, I've got to watch this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been released. It's never been released, Kerry, because of my trolls. Oh my God, that is absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Now one of you is going to want to see this. <laughs> that is Kerry amazing. wants to go to the dungeon. I know, I want no but I do that. find it really I'd love to go and do this is amazing I mean I'd yeah. love to go and do all not, next thing I want to I want to go to prisons oh we can yes. raise that We've got I want to go to women's prisons to do motivational talk I mean I probably know half of them this is our, <laughs> this is our main thing the that, prisons, for yeah. me I want for me I what I've been through I think is to help others yeah there's, there's a reason for it I mean you couldn't write half the shit I've already told you like a little bit of it and I feel like if my story helps one person who's listening, then it's been worth it. I've not kept it to myself. I'm a very open and honest person. And I want to be a motivational speaker. That's what I want to do. So when my book comes out, I want to do book tour. I want to help as many people as I can. I've got connections. I've spoke at some of the women's prisons. So if you want me to arrange that for but you. But because I'm so down to it, I know I'm relatable. Yeah. I, I know, I'm yeah. real. Yeah. I, I've been there. I've done it. I've come from mm-hmm. fuck all. And that's why I know they'll listen. And mm. it's not about... It's fucking, I mean, some of my best times I've had have been skint. Yeah. Do you know definitely, what I mean? Definitely. And it's all about just trying to be the better version you can of yourself that, without being arrogant. Don't you find when you sort of get to that rock bottom, the build up is the best? Yeah, but I got there and went back down. <laughs> <laughs> I went back up and went down. Fucking hell, it's been like a roller coaster for me, honestly. So you've learned that happiness is in your heart and the company you keep. Yeah, it's, you're going to be like, the people you look to your left and to your right, that's who you're going to be like. It's like, it's Jenny you. Here, got Liam there. I'm fucked, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Let <laughs> me ring rehab. <laughs> but that, that, I've had to learn, and it took me a long time, age of 36. I'm 41 next month. I know what you're thinking, I don't look it. Botox. But yeah, for me, it's I've had to learn so much about myself, and I've always relied on others to make me happy. And it seems such a cliche. But even with my kids, and it sounds, I've had to put me before my kids. Because it's my happiness that's a domino effect on my children. So I have to make sure I am happy, so that my kids are happy. And a lot of people don't understand that unless you really get it. Mm. You have to be, because if I'm miserable, my kids are miserable. So you have to really work on yourself. It took me a long time, it took me long, 36 hours, so I suppose, but just to realise realise it and that's why I'm not married after four years it's up around two years to propose you know what I mean it's getting longer and longer and longer <laughs> what do you think about the tragedy of Amy Winehouse then awful mm. so sad that was a wake up call for me I, I, I was I'm not going to say I was sober because I still have a drink from time to time but drink was never a problem it was, it was just the people it's just the people you hang around with do you know what I mean mm-hmm. awful terrible yeah so how did Ryan propose on his knee Um, so we was in Granada in Spain in this beautiful 15 million pound villa we had all the children with us and Max went mum Ryan wants you upstairs 
It was also my, my birthday, my skates falling off because you made me cry, you bastards. <laughs> um, and I went upstairs and saw these rose petals out on the balcony and we stood there and all the kids I didn't realise was all behind me and they were filming it all. Mm. And he got down on his knee and I was like, are you mad? Do you know my track record? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he went with the kids, the kids helped pick out the ring. Mm. Yeah, so it was, it was all involved, yeah, it was it's lovely. Beautiful. Oh. And I love Ryan to bits, and I did say yes to the dress. I picked my wedding dress, but honestly, sometimes I don't, I don't like because Ryan's my business partner as well. So I find it quite unprofessional. I go, if you speak to my boyfriend about that, but if you speak to my husband, he'll sort that side of the business. But then I think I, I think I've got George did such a number on me that I just don't want. I just couldn't. I don't want another failed marriage. No. But I still believe in a happy ever after, and why shouldn't I? Doesn't matter how many times you get married, everyone deserves that happier after. Exactly. You know? It's Amen. I was I was eighteen when I met my first husband. And because I was so young in the industry and everything's been documented at such a young age, it's like, oh, here we go again. Do you, do you know what I mean? But um yeah, I, everyone it doesn't matter. Everyone just because I've been married four times, that mean I've got to be on my own for the rest of my life. No, it doesn't. No. I'm so young. I, I wanna come home and tell somebody about the day I've had. I want to come home and have an argument. Do you know what I mean? I want to come home and have sex. Yeah. Yeah. I want to come home and be held and hugged and shouted at. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone deserves it. 100%. What's your relationship with your mum now? I love my mum to bits. My mum's never going to change. She's who she is. I love my mum to bits. I moved up north because it wasn't a matter of when, if my mum was heart attack, it's when, and she had a heart attack. Um, but it hasn't turned out to be the relationship I was hoping for. You know. She's powerless to her drink. That's something I've had to accept. I love you to bits, Mum, but it's the truth. Some people just take it to the grave, don't they? It's, she's uh, she's not the person she used to be. She doesn't do drugs or anything like that anymore. She gave up her cigarettes after 50 years. She you know what I mean? And she's on the vape, which I think is a huge step, but she's powerless to the drink. And I don't like being around Mum when she had a drink because it's a false persona, isn't it? Mm. Happened to my best mate a couple of years ago. He died in his late 40s. From Even it. Aranda, Aranda passed away, her mm. baby sister. I thought that would help change, but... I mean, it, she's not doing anyone any harm apart from herself, but I just don't want to be around yeah. that. No, so, yeah. no, it's... I love her to bits. Love me more to bits. Is she still in Warrington? Yeah, she's still in Warrington. Mm. Love her to bits, but she doesn't put that effort... She She's always... Oh, she's just not want. She's not doing anything to help herself, and... I get frustrated with that because mm. I've, I've had to change my life. I want to be the best version I can be for me, for my kids. But you can't force other I people. I can't force to. other people. Mm. That's something I found really hard to accept and it angers me. So I have to go, you know, you drink your wine, it's fine. I can talk to my mum in the mornings, come two o'clock, I won't speak to her after that. Mm. She'll ring me at five o'clock, I won't answer. Do you go back to Warrington very often? Yeah, uh, I want to see my mum. I've got, it's just me. It's just me, Ryan, and the kids. That's yeah. it. Do you ever go with us? <laughs> if I can't help it, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, people from Witness. I'm joking. I want no Witness. I, I don't, the thing is... As a kid, you never ventured over to Witness from Warrington. I, can't, I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah, let, me tell, no, let me tell you something. Because I'm from Warrington, yeah. people think I know up north really well. Mm. I haven't got a fucking clue. Bear in mind, I was pushed from pillar to post in foster homes here and there. And then... When I got in Atomic Kitten, I was travelling the world, and then I moved to Ireland. It's like, and then I did a VT for Cesspat lunch in Warrington at the Botanist. 
and there's no Warrington market. I didn't even have a clue. I didn't recognise the place. I won't have a clue. Do you know where to say Tallinn's, Rainhill, any of those places? No. Bloody hell. I guess Warrington was more of an attraction for us because you had more. You had, the first, you had the first McDonald's. Did they? Ikea. Yeah, we didn't have McDonald's Ikea. for ages. Warrington's known for Ikea. Ikea. Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith. Yeah, no, so I yeah, didn't... not many people will go to Witness. No, Warrington pulled people out of Witness to go Mr. Yeah. Smith's in no, particular. I've never ventured out to Witness. Why would I? What's there? The Granix. What's that? It's where they take all the dead animals and they reprocess them into... What the fuck is up with you? <laughs> oh, I don't want to go there. As a kid, we... Suddenly there'd be this foul smell with pinch our noses and the truck would be going by with all these animal legs sticking out of it. Oh, my God, it's yeah. awful. Pleasant, isn't it? Granics. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. Why, what's up with you? No, what do you go <laughs> to fucking prison? <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense now. Yeah. Why did you go to prison? Um, so I had so some, what's your life? I had, all, all about? I had social anxiety. Yeah. Almost got beat to death by some uh, lads out of Rainhill uh, who were much bigger than me. And So I wouldn't go up and talk to women. I wouldn't dance. I wouldn't do anything. But when the rave scene started mm. and I got on ecstasy, that was it. Let you lose, yeah. So I was a bit of a nerd as well, so I started following the stock market when I was 14, training when I was 16. So my goal was to go to America, make a million in the stock market, fly my mates over and start throwing raves. I like it. And I did I did it, but then there was no pills. So you had to bring drugs over So May, you got caught. May 16, 2002, SWAT team smashed my door down. End up in this jail that's the highest rate of death in America. As soon as you go in, it's all Nazis. Erin Brotherhood prison gang, Hitler, swastikas all over him. And that kind of created my story, really, because most my story, the interest was all around this time at this jail because it was notorious. My dad started the YouTube channel while I was still incarcerated in 2007. So, how much did you get, how long did you get sentenced? What, how much drugs did you have on you? What happened? None. None. It was a conspiracy. So, I had about 200 people working for me. Right. And um, conspiracy is just an impossible charge to beat. They don't need any evidence against you. They don't need drugs. They just need people to say they were in business with you. From, I'm not being funny, but America's the worst of that shit. It, yeah. He's not real justice. All they want to is pin it on somebody. It's, a, it's, a business, it's an industry. I mean, I take responsibility for what I did. When I got in, I saw the average arrest, like a black kid, a Mexican kid, weed, getting two to five year sentence, weed possession. They ruin the lives, don't mm. they? Just, just for something so trivial. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'd probably be still be inside now if I was in America. The prisoners <laughs> get, get $60,000 a year per person. So they want so to keep them in the system. The easiest people to arrest are people with drugs. And then in the prison, 90% of them are injecting heroin. And it's just gang, you know, gang infested mayhem. They give them $50 on the door when they're finished at the jail. Say, so have a nice day. Fucking hell. As soon as they come back, $60,000. So there's no rehabilitation, it's just may mayhem. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So when you got out there, what happened? Back to witness, after 16, 17 years, that was surreal, coming back to my mum and dad's house. Fucking hell. Um, but God bless my parents, they're such loving, you've met them, haven't you? Well, such loving people. And I was a bit PTSD'd out, but got into the yoga, the meditation. But it really works. It, it does. really, body really, really works. Classes. It really works. Yeah, blaze. karate, body combat, blaze, and now swimming, yoga, everything. So I've got to do something nearly every day, otherwise I start to crack up a little well, bit. Well, this is, I, I completely relate to you. Yeah. So since I moved up north, like before I moved up north, I was two stone lighter, I had a six pack, I was doing yoga every day and I was doing meditation. Mm. And I was on fucking top form. Mm. And because I've moved up here, 
I've been triggered. I've only just started training. I've not trained this morning because um, I've not seen everyone. Like, I've got workmen and everything. So it's like, as soon as you go, straight in the gym. Because I have to. Because I've noticed, as soon as I... It's that adrenaline in of... It's a natural high. Mm-hmm. It is. Exercise and meditation are, like, better than medication. You can just replace Have them. you seen that, that one on Netflix, um, Mindspace? I've not seen it. I've heard about no, it, darling. It's Interaction. Yeah. There's an app, is it, isn't there, as well? Well, it's on Netflix. It's yeah. Interaction. So I did it the other night on... Because um, I struggle... Because I've got ADHD, I struggle mm-hmm. to focus... So it on this mind space you can interact with it. So I did it on the bed the other night. It's really good. Yeah, we'll give that a go. We it's really really good. Yeah, I struggle with meditation. I really do. Cause yeah. I, I remember going to hot yoga and I'm like, I think I can do it washing. I want to go on. We'll do this. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. So for me, it's. I mean, every night I've got my hypnosis as well that I really love. Mm. That's really good. I started good. Do, doing sleep hypnosis. Fuck, it's, it's so good for you. Yeah. It really good. It really really is. And after doing this mushroom thing that I've just done. It's made me realise about panic attacks and how to handle your breathing because it is all in your head. And I just want to go and help other people. Is something going on in theatre coming up with your daughter? Yes, we're doing Panto. Yes. So me and Lily did a coach trip together, um, which was ghost trip because it was Halloween special and we won. And I said to Lily, if I don't win this fucking reality show, I'm blaming you because I always win reality shows. Mm-hmm. You know, we won it, I'm already seasoned. Have you seen Coach Trip? No. It's on Channel 4. Yeah. We just try, it's really good fun. It's good yeah. fun. Anyway, it's always a winner and we won it. And then, so she's stepping into my industry a little bit more now, our Lily, and we're doing Panto together. Oh, so I do, pa- can... I do Panto twice a year. So this is our Brilliant. Lily's, and it's fucking hard work. And I am a grafter. <laughs> I work my ass off. I'm never. I I am a really graft. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm always saying, "I oh, what can we do now?" So you know, I want to make sure I'm never in that situation I've been in before and my kids. So she's got. She's got. I don't. know, It's hard work. Like sometimes I do three shows a day. Wow. Yeah, we do it with Jake Quickerden as well. So he's on the show. He's mm-hmm. he's doing it as well. So it's in Lincoln. So you want to come watch it? Come watch it. And if you want me on your fans, see me titties. Sign up. Definitely. And if you want to out from a boutique, sign up to that. And if you're single, go to mine. If you want to go fit, I'm fit. Yeah. What Lug. Just... <laughs> there you go. I'm books out in October. What do you say to young people who see celebrities taking drugs and think it's glamorous? No fucking glamorous whatsoever. This is this is the one thing as well what I want to do. I want to talk to kids in foster homes. Because they think they're automatically doomed. They think there's only one life because you're in foster home. It's bullshit. You are who you are as a person. You make it that has happened to you. And it, I don't want to be hard about it. Stop moaning and crying about it. It's happening. Move on from it. And that sounds really, really harsh. But don't let it control you. You control it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Don't let it define you. And there's nothing glamorous about taking drugs. Nothing whatsoever. I should be dead. I'm so blessed and so lucky to be be where I am. And I might sit here laughing. Oh, I had a great time and that. And I did. But I could have died. I should be dead. And I died twice. I was having fits. It ends in the prison, police, death, mental hospital, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and we're all fucked up because of it. Mm. Yeah. Really, really, really. I don't honestly, and it, I'm because I'm so open and honest about it. I don't think my kids will ever do it either. Good. I, I'd be heartbroken if they did. But like one in four people suffer with mental health. I've got five kids. You know, I I have issues with my son, fourteen year old mm. boy. I have a lot of issues with him. You know, and we all do have issues, but. Don't be ashamed of him. Ask for help. Don't ever suffer by yourself. Don't be embarrassed. It's another thing with money. People are so embarrassed. Like, when I lost my money, you thought I'd have fucking... You think I'd had AIDS? Mm. Oh, I'm not going near you now. That That's how it was because I didn't have any money in my bank. 
I'm still a really nice person. I haven't changed. I, but there's such shame around money of it's the class and the level and the profile of who you are depending on how much money you bank. Fuck that shit. People who've got all the rich in the world can be arseholes. Do you know what I mean? So don't ever feel embarrassed or ashamed about money. It's just money at the end of the day because I know, I understand why people would kill themselves because I thought, how, how, how am I gonna, how am I gonna feed my kids? <laughs> you know, I drive my car and think if I just go like that and kill myself, not worth it. No. Not worth no. it. But you've got to take it on, embrace it, graph from it and learn from it. Amen. You're so amazingly down to earth. Yes. We've yeah. learned a few things from you today. Um, have you got anything else, Jen? No, I don't. Just come here. She's got she's got more therapy now. I know. That already no, matters. Let, let us know in the comments what you think. Would you like to see a part two where Kerry sits down with David Ike? Oh yes. my God! Yes. I want to know if the queen's really a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh.